Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us. Jesus! Garden baby. Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirit of Dragon in the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you didn't. Now look at that jockey, homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is Wednesday, October 18, 2017. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jake Cat Morris. I am joined tonight with CZW World Heavyweight Champion Shane Strickland. What's Good, going on, man? man? Chilling, man. It's oh, been a while. You've been yeah. killing it. I've been busy. That's for damn sure. Yeah, man. So what's been going on? Oh, so much. Uh like now that like uh, over this past year, I've been like doing a lot more flying around as opposed yeah. to like getting on the road um, with a lot of these shows. So it's a lot of packing, unpacking in one part of the country to the next part of the country to the next part of the country in a matter of three days or, you know, so uh, just getting back from doing Chicago with AW, then CZW, then going back to Midwest and doing St. Louis for debuting for Glory Pro, Michael Elgin's promotion. So yeah. that was my last my last weekend, so uh, just packing up some t-shirts as we speak, getting my merchandise ready, and uh, I'll take the road again on Friday, heading to Texas for the Russell Circus, and then to NGW out in Tennessee the following day. 
Yeah, man, you, you're making a lot of moves. Uh, I was just going over some of your matches and stuff, and most of this stuff I haven't seen and didn't even know that happened. So um, I'm going to run down some of them from back from 2016. Just give me, you know, if you got any, you know, stuff to say about them or, you know, extra, you know, whatever went on, you know. Um, gotcha. Will, Will Ospreay, um, you know, he's, he's definitely one of the best high flyers in the world. He's definitely made big um, – big news with ricochet doing the the spots and all of that stuff and um you wrestled him in germany to a 16 carat tournament 2016 what was that like oh man uh that was like my it wasn't my introduction to germany uh i'd say 2014 mm-hmm. was when i wrestled rich swan out there yeah. in the world triangle league but uh and that was my coming out party i should say and mm-hmm. Will is like a little brother to me who's freaking amazing. He's a multi-talented individual in more than just wrestling. He can He's also a ballroom dancer, which explains his amazing footwork in the ring. Uh, he does, yeah. He's done acting and theater and stuff like that. So uh, not a bad singer either. So like he's a very multi-talented individual, and he likes to take a lot of those aspects of having fun and being theatric in the ring as well. And that match was like, uh, one of those times where you use like a little bit of all of it, because if you go on YouTube and look at the highlights of the match, they everybody posts up like when we dance to Uptown Funk in the mm-hmm. middle of the match and stuff. So that's where everybody likes to go out to. Uh, uh, that's where everybody takes from that match. But that was a lot of fun. That's what like really made the German fans really fall in love with. Uh, they they loved Will already, but that really made him fall in love with me and helped me out a yeah. lot. And that, he's one of my favorite opponent, opponents I've had in my career. Uh, what kind of pressure is there for you to like step it up, you know, and be, you know, that much more innovative? Because he does some crazy shit I've never seen before. Um, when you have the right partner, it's never pressure. It always feels like fun. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like two two rap art two rap artists coming together to collab and make a really good song. It doesn't feel like it's pressure to live up to the hype of the for the fans. It always just feels like it's fun. And as long as you make it fun and, like, go back to, like, the true art and the nature of why you got into doing what you do, it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. pressure. It just feels like, oh, man, we do this all the time. Let's try to do it this way. Oh, man, I got ideas, too. Let's try this. Oh, I seen these guys do it this way. Let's try to make it our own, though. So there's always – it's just like collabing and mixing ideas and inspirations from other things and little, like – and it's also about taking risks as well. Like, man, I never tried it this way. Let's try to do it this way. Let's see what happens. And so it takes a lot of risk as well. Yeah. Um, back in uh, May of 2016, or April, sorry, uh, you wrestled Damoff and John Silver in WrestlePro. Um, obviously, two two bigger, strong style type guys. Um, you know, what, what was that like? Uh, that was my first and only time I've ever wrestled for WrestlePro. And uh, I haven't really seen that match since I've had it, honestly. But uh, I remember, like, Moth was somebody I always wanted to get in the ring with. And mm-hmm. um, and me and Johnny Silver, we worked before. And that was such a good, fun match. And um, a lot of people were worried that, like, um, it's because I was starting to travel around a lot and, start, and I was on Lucha Underground doing some more stuff then. A lot of people were worried that uh, I was going to come in and be like, more demanding of match types and trying to like hog the spotlight from the guys because they were more like home. They're more like uh, the regulars for WrestlePro. 
So mm-hmm. some guys are a little worried about that. But uh, we ended up having a really fun match. Our chemistry was really good, and we gelled well with each other. And Moff was, like, very, very happy with how we, like, with uh, everything. Because it was another one of those things. He did stuff that he he wasn't familiar with because uh, we were just mm-hmm. all bouncing ideas, and we just all brought something different to the table. Yeah. Um, you wrestled Teddy Hart in GCW. The match was initially supposed to be Chris Dickinson versus Teddy Hart, and it was pretty much a last-minute switch. Uh, they were somehow able to get you on the card to to fill in um how did that all come about and you know how'd you how'd you feel having to jump in for dickinson and you know putting a match together with teddy how'd that all go uh i wasn't even familiar about the i wasn't even aware of the fact that uh, it was supposed to be dickinson in the match um but i was like i've wrestled teddy prior in a four-way and it was a tournament it was in a tournament match and um so i already got familiar with how teddy is in the ring and we already got familiar with each other. So he's like, oh, man, I'm working with you. Oh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be awesome. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, it's easy. So, like, he's one of those guys that's just, like, still unbelievably talented and athletic as all hell. Like, still one of the most agile people in wrestling. Like, in any any generation, he's still one of the, the best guys in the ring. And um, it was cool to have the four-way with him, but it was even better to have this one-on-one singles match with him. And, uh... I remember, like, just him tying me up in a pretzel and me, not, like, being put in holds that I've never even seen before. Like, I'm pretty sure he's never even done these holds any other any, in any other match. He's probably just invented those, as, like, on the spot as we spoke. But he, he, I learned a lot being in the ring with him, and, like, it really made me appreciate Teddy a lot more. Yeah. Um Two days later, you were back in the UK wrestling Will Ospreay again. Um, you know, what was this like compared to your first match? And, you know, do you think this was a better match or, you know, you guys just switched it up and did something a little different? This was a way different match than the one we had prior. This was my debut in progress, actually, in uh, London. And uh, he, I believe, like, uh, that was a really hot year for Will. Like, not only just for, like, New Japan and him winning the Super Juniors and all that, but, like, that was a really high year for him in the U.K. in general. You know, he was winning everything. He was, like, like that's where he, that was the year he, him and uh, AJ Styles and Marty Scroll had a triple threat and stuff like that. He was just having, like, killer matches in the U.K. And um, for a lot of fans in the U.K., that, like, that ended up being, like, one of their favorite matches that they've seen, like, the entire year, not just for the promotion, but in, like, the the whole scene over there. So that was, I was really proud about that match. That was my first time coming in for progress and I couldn't have had a better opponent. Like someone I was familiar with, I have incredible chemistry with. He he that and he he was just returning from super juniors as well. So he was just way more stiff than he's ever been before. So I'm like, oh he's been wrestling with these Japanese dudes so much. Like he's just kicking and forearming. He's just hitting way harder than before. But uh, he's yeah. still like one, honestly, one of the freaking most like the best. I honestly believe he's the best high flyer out there. Yeah, um, I mean, what's the crowd like? You know, and the difference from like a CZW crowd. You know, we've had the the bad experiences where you're doing a, a barbed wire board match in CZW and they're still treating you like shit. And then um, you go over there and you're tearing it up with Osprey. What's the difference in a crowd between the UK or Germany and the US? 
Uh, well, being an import when you go over there, like an American or any other country, you automatically get like uh, you automatically get spotlighted in a way from the fans. Not even the the, the mm-hmm. promotion doesn't have to do too much to help you out to help you get over and get welcomed into. The fans are automatically like kind of gravitate to you and want to see. They they anticipate everything that you like your matches already. So like mm-hmm. they they're more home. They're welcoming. They're way more welcoming. I would yeah. say. And um, they honestly, if you're promoted well prior to coming into the, the show that day, a lot of those fans do their research and get online and they, like, watch all the stuff that you've done or they'll buy yeah. DVDs that, with shows that you've been on and want you to sign them when you get there. So they already know a little bit about you already before you even get there. So they do their homework and they study up on you before you even come in and wrestle that day when you perform and kill it that day or whatever, they become even more involved and more in love with you. So it's yeah. honestly like, it's like uh, being the new kid in class at school. Mm-hmm. And then once they show, then once you show like you're, you can, you have all these talents, you can dance, you can play football, you can play basketball, you can do, you can like do artwork and stuff. You get, you kind of like do a little bit of everything that get involved with all the clicks. Then they, they welcome mm-hmm. you that much more. So it's, it's like that kind of feeling. Yeah. That makes sense, because, I mean, you know, when Japanese guys come over here and stuff, the fans go crazy, and, you know, I, I'd imagine it's the same yeah, way, just in reverse. Yeah, like, I would say more so, like, the Americans than the Japanese in the U.K., and from what I've experienced, I could be wrong, but from what I've experienced, they, like, really go apeshit for the American side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. so then... Uh, a couple months later, you wrestled Leo Rush over there, obviously, you know, a guy that uh, you've been in the ring with before. And, um, you know, what was it like, you know, wrestling a home, you know, a home base guy over there? Was it a lot easier? Or... Uh, by this time, we had a, like a handful of matches. So we pretty much already got like all the kinks out from how to work with each other. Mm-hmm. And like, and it's also, it was to me, it was more of like, I was so proud to be able to work with him over there because, like, when I was, like, on shows in MCW down in Maryland, he was still a trainee. He was doing security while I was, like, having, like, match of the year candidates and stuff at MCW. So, and he all, mm-hmm. always after the matches, he would, like, ask me questions. Like, man, how do you do this? How do you, like, get the fans? Like, how do you, like, he's like, I'm struggling with this. And he would always ask me questions. And so for us to be, like, in the U.K. together, like, like first, I, I believe that was when we tagged. We tagged the first night against Jack and Angelico, Jack Evans and Angelico, oh, yeah. and then the next, then the following night, this was for IPW UK, and then the following night we had a singles match against one another, and it was just really cool yeah. to be like, dang man, I, like I was watching your matches while I was training, like at security, and now we're like wrestling you in the UK. We're like, yeah. like best of friends, and now currently. We live in Orlando. He's like my next door neighbor. So now, like, I look out my window, I see Leo walking his dog in the development here. So it's like really cool how our friendship and just developed over time. So like, it, it was it was great. Of course, it was great to like work with him, but it was cool to just be like sit back and like see the life evolution of him. Like, man, man, you really worked hard to get to the spot. Like so fast, you got here so quickly, but you're so talented and you deserve it. And then, like, to see where he's evolved to now, like, being signed with WWE and being on NXT. And then, like, man, like, I moved down to Orlando. And then he moved down. And I was like, man, dude, like, this is really cool. Like, just to see how hard you, like, 
like how hard you worked, and he looked up to me a lot at that time too. So mm-hmm. it's really it, it's a, it's to me it's a humbling experience. Yeah. Now I'll jump to this because I think um, the the glass match with Fox actually happened last year, right? Yeah, that was June of last year. Yeah. Yeah, but like we just got to see it because you know the way they tape the seasons and everything. Right. The television. Yeah. Yeah. So um, talk a little bit about that match because the match was just bananas. I mean, it, <laughs> I watched that match and was like, you guys are doing all these spots with the panes of glass and. Fox is bleeding out of his back like a deathmatch wrestler. And, um, I mean, you know, what went into that, the planning of that? And, you know, I mean, you've done some barbed wire and things like that, but that match seemed to really take it to the next level. Um, Going into, first off, like, the promotion already by season three, we've done everything there is to do in that building. So, mm-hmm. like, us having the blow-off match, um, and to give them giving us, we get they give us half an hour to do this match. Like I, th- I feel like honestly mm-hmm. on live, li- live, uh, not taped, but live we went like forty five minutes out there. And and wow. I never, I honestly don't believe a death match has ever gone that long. I could be wrong, but I don't think death matches have ever gone like almost an hour long. But the creative process was all us. They literally gave us everything that we wanted to do. They. Um, they honestly were just like, okay, guys, here's what we're here's what we have planned by the end of the season. How do you want to go about this? And um, me and Fox put our heads together. We like I, they flew us in to L.A. like earlier in the week, so we literally could walk around the arena and just visualize and think what all the stuff we could do, what cool stuff has hasn't been done yet. Because I was there longer than him, mm-hmm. so he's just asking like, um, hey, what has anybody done this yet? has anybody gone over here? Has anybody tried this yet? I'm like, oh, I don't believe so. I don't think so. So we're like just trying to, first off, we eliminated all the things that we think have been done so we could be the first ones to actually mm-hmm. do it, which is really tough in Lucha, especially all the talented guys behind there already. So on top of that, we just like, man, we need to bring some CCW style stuff in here, man. You know, like some stuff that nobody's done, like nobody's done glass. Oh, man, nobody's done glass yet. We Let's do like three panes of them. Let's get a lot of it. Yeah. Nobody's ever done it. Like, yeah. we're going to do it to the max. <laughs> so, like, by the end of, like, of them, we we asked for everything. We asked for, like, all these chairs. We asked for a ladder, two, three ladders. We asked for all these tables. We asked for this. And the receipt, if you would have seen the receipt for how long how, how long it was for all the stuff we asked for, dude, it's like a, a meter long. And they gave us <laughs> everything. And it, 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 they, they literally, they didn't know how to make a barbed wire board, so we had to, like, Honestly, do it. Do it for help them do it because like this is movie studio yeah. people. They're like, what? How do you make a what's a barbed board? How do you do this? They never seen deathmatch wrestling before. They don't understand that lifestyle. Yeah. So we had to show them how to do it and like really get hands on with it. We like it. It was honestly like the best. Like that was the best dance partner I could ever have. It was like the hybrid of lucha, like hot indie indie style wrestling and deathmatch wrestling all in one. And we just wanted to create something that was just like, like a whirlwind of just different styles and show everything that we could do. Because, like I, I, me personally, I never wanted to be limited to anything that I couldn't do. Especially in lucha, when you have mm-hmm. all these possibilities of things you can do, you never want to limit yourself to like, man, oh, I can only do this. Nah, I don't really do that. So when you do, when you limit yourself as a performer and as a character, 
the creative side of the, the creators and the writers of the show, they get limited. And they're like, ah, I would like to have him here, but he can't do this. You know, I don't trust him with this. I don't trust him doing this. So uh, over mm-hmm. the course of the two seasons, I felt like it was my job to, like, get as creative and as well-rounded as possible to show them I can do anything. And when, like, given the right tools, there's nobody that can outperform me on the show. And that's what I tried to do. And when they gave me Fox at the beginning of the season, oh, I'm, I salivated because I'm like, oh, y'all don't know what y'all just did. Y'all do not know what y'all mm-hmm. just did. <laughs> and we just wanted to just we just wanted to like go out there and just like nobody can outdo this. Nobody can outdo us when we're together and when we're at our best. And I feel like um, Ultima Lucha uh, Trace with a uh, Hell of War was just that. That was us, us at our absolute best, and there's no way that anybody can top it. And that's what we tried to do. Yeah. Now, what's it like working for Lucha Underground? Because obviously, you know, the production is through the roof. Um, it's like nothing else as far as, um, you know, what they put together. They put together, like you said, a season, a show. The production is, you know, you, you're getting a shopping list for them together. This isn't your average indie wrestling show. You know, how how is it working for that type of production? And what are the differences for you? Well, for me, it was like the camera work was a lot different because now there was like, I think they have 30 cameras, about 30, I wow. believe. Yeah, and um, but you can only you can only see about six, which is the hard, two hard cameras, the one crane camera, the Wiley Coyote camera, which looks straight down into the ring, and um, so mm-hmm. just like when you get more when you get more um, angles and more that's more perspective. And that get, that opens up more ideas for different things that you can do in the ring and do with your character. And for me, I feel yeah. like the biggest difference was like now I have all this creativity and I'll have, I wouldn't say freedom, but I have all these possibilities, I would say, that I can further create and make more of my matches, make more of my character, make more of just like it, it, it just opened me up to like a whole more, a whole, a whole avenue of things I can do, and and a yeah. lot of times on the indies we don't ha- we don't get that unless you're like a Ring of Honor, or like a New Japan or something like that with a production crew like or CCW, the, you're very limited mm-hmm. on the indies. Even even with like a Ring of Honor, CCW and stuff like that, Lucha had something that was just special and different. They had a arena, they had a arena that was like a a video game level. You can use the arena and add it to your matches, and not too many other promotions can do that. And Lucha was the absolute yeah. best at that. And I, think, I feel like that's what, where we strived at, like, of literally making ourselves like parkour wrestling. We could do anything. We jumped off of this. We used the windows for this. You know, we used a, a doorway to go into this hallway for this. You know, we used the bandstand for that. We used a truck for this. We brought in a car. We had the environment to make it, to make our matches that much more special. And I feel like that's what set us apart from everybody else that made our matches so much more exciting and so much more different. And uh, the create and the writers, yeah. they, we had experienced writers, you know, we had guys that wrote for like WWE back in 2006, 2008 wrote with like, wrote for Batista and Norton and Mickey James and Cena. They, they, so they understand of like how to really work with talent, you know? And um, me yeah. being introduced to that, that was a huge experience for me as well. Actually having a writer to like, talk back and forth with not a promoter not a booker but an actual creative writer you know that that's a whole different element and knowing when to like trust in what they're giving you what they're telling you what they know will work 
and them having to trust in you to perform and know your character, know your worth, know how you can perform, how, how you can create as well. So it's a two-way street and learning how to balance that. That was an, another tough issue. Not I want to say issue, but it was another tough thing that I had to learn and figure out, I would say. Yeah. Um, what kind of time frame did they film like a season in? Um, for one season, uh, it, I remember it took about four months to film season three, but then they added like another two weekends because they we figured out late in the season that in the filming process that we were going to go to from, I believe, 29 episodes or 30, it was like, I think we went from 29, 29 scheduled episodes and we went to end up adding adding 11 more to do 40 episodes. So it added another two two more weekends to the filming. So it went about four and a half to five months mm. to film to film season three alone because that was the longest season we've ever filmed. But uh, usually we would yeah. like for season two we filmed like four three to four months. And I remember season one, I came in on the second half of it. They already filmed like the first half of it, which took like two or three months, and then they took a break from filming. Then they came back from the break. And January, and that's when I started. Yeah, that's when I started up, and that was in January 2015. And they did like two to three months after that. Yeah, is it difficult? Because you know, there's got to be a little bit more strict time constraints as far as your match and exactly where they want it to fit. Um, it, oh, does it yeah. work out with editing more so, or is it you know really like heavy on you guys to finish within a certain amount of time? Um, it's not as heavy as most would think because our episodes are taped. Now, if we were running live, it would be a way more stricter, like they'd be on us a lot more. But uh, it was also, it was a little mm-hmm. bit more difficult for the Mexican talent to get used to that as well. You know, because um, AAA and stuff, they they weren't used to like time cues like that. They would They would just go out there and perform. And so I feel like it was a mm-hmm. little bit more difficult for the Mexican talent to get used to that. Some guys got it. Like um, Mil Muertos was he worked for TNA as uh, Judas Macias back in early mm-hmm. 2000, so he was used to the TV style, so he got with it pretty quickly. But I feel like like Drago, Aerostar, those in Phoenix, Pentagon, those guys had to develop, had, they had to get used to that a little bit more. But they are a little, they are strict on it, but it's not as strict as it could be because like we're not live. If we were live, I feel like the guys would be getting fined. Um, and, you know, some guys wouldn't be back on the show or anything like that. So it's not yeah. that bad. Yeah. How did they, um, or how did you, or how did they come up with the kill shot gimmick? How did it come about? When I came in, they, well, yeah, I ended up, uh, was referred to by Conan and Ricochet. They referred me to Conan and then they passed the buck over to one of the, liaisons who does like who who signs the checks basically i was passed over to him and i got a contract uh basically through the email and i signed it and scanned it and went back to him right so when i got over there um i did the uh tryout i did a trial match which was a dark match before all the live tv taping started going on yeah um so those guys uh so I did a, basically a six-man, a six-way scramble in a dark match. And it had, like, Hernandez, it had Son of Havoc, it had Marty the Moth and those guys. And it, cause I, and, and it was me and Willie Mack. We, me, Willie Mack were, me and Willie Mack were the tryout guys. 
but they, we were already signed first. We just didn't have characters. So we went out and did our matches as Shane Strickland, as Willie Mack. And then after that, I would say it was, I feel like after the first night, they we did our match early on, and then we got to go back upstairs and talk with the writers and stuff. And I, we all went in individually. And uh, me and uh, well, I, me and Krista Joseph, who's the head writer, we talked about like, uh, what's a nice character that you think um, you're thinking of? And like, like my favorite, they asked us, uh, uh, what are your favorite comic books? What are your favorite superheroes? Who are your favorite inspirations and stuff? And he just started writing them down on a notepad or whatever. And uh, I didn't really know that I was going to be putting a mask until he told me. He's like, oh, I'm thinking like a red, black style mask for you or something like that. And um, so I went home for the week. I thought of, like, he knew he wanted to put me in something red and black, and I thought of, like, uh, names and stuff. Me and Latin Dragon were bouncing ideas back and forth. We came up, we wrote, like, mm-hmm. six names down on a, on a, on a and text message. And Killshot was one of them, and we were like, hmm. So I threw all six names to the writer, to DJ, to Krista Joseph, and he liked Killshot. That stood out to him the most. And so we ran yeah. with Killshot, and then, so, but they had the, and then they made the mask based off the name. So they made like a red and black mask with a, uh, freaking cross crosshairs on his forehead, and then we had Killshot. But we didn't have a backstory. Going into season two, when we did our season one to season two break. I wanted more depth to my character because I was just a guy in a mask having matches season one. And I wanted right. more depth to it. So I wrote like a backstory and I wrote like three different stories that are like, kind of like there were short little, short little one paragraph stories. Um, but it was enough for the writers to interpret however, and add, add whatever information they wanted in there. So I went ahead and asked like, Hey, can I, I wrote some backstories for my character. Would you, would you mind checking it out? He's like, sure, absolutely. So I sent him, pitched him all three. And one was like a military um, a mercenary. Another one was like an informant for Dario Cueto. And another was like a prisoner. It was a, it was a POW uh, military type character. And he liked all three of them. So we found a way to just like combine all three. And that's when we, when I came back for season two, we filmed those vignettes in the desert when he's shooting and all that and being a mercenary and having a stunt double and all that, which I didn't use my stunt double. I did all of that, which I really wish I used them, um, which is, that, that stuff <laughs> is very exhausting to do. It's very exhausting to do, especially in the California desert with a freaking baklava over your head and full military uniform. It's very exhausting. And uh, yeah. pretty much we just branched, it just snowballed and we branched ideas off of that. Off of that one vignette, we just branched more ideas, more ideas, and then they knew they were they knew they were going to sign Fox for the next season, and my character mm-hmm. was like so in depth that it created another character, so that I felt like really proud about that fact alone. Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah. you know, to be an indie guy that that wants depth to his character, that that's like a foreign language. <laughs> I mean, most most <laughs> indies they do exactly what you said; they just have matches. Yeah, but like, I, but when you get like so many toys and tools to play with, you kind of want to play with them too. So like, I'm like, I want to. I agree, man. I want to like do that cool stuff. Yeah. So like, when I saw like Puma was getting like 
Trevor was like come in bragging like, man, I had to do this really cool uh, vignette yesterday. I was here all week. I got to film boxing little things and all that. I got to film all this cool stuff. And then like everybody's talking about, oh, I got to film this thing where I like crucify this or like sacrifice this person to this thing. And right, I got to play with these like real dress like this. And then everybody's just bringing all these cool vignettes. And then like I wrote my story. And then I got to film my vignette, and everybody's like. You got to shoot guns. You got to go out in the desert. You got to beat people up. You the, nobody got to do that. Man, you had the coolest thing ever. So it was like cool. I had the cool toy going into season three, season two yeah. after that. So it was like, once again, it was just like, man, like you got to see all these really cool toys and you want to play with them. And so you do write those kind of things. You do step up to the plate a little bit and take the initiative to spew out ideas and hopefully like they really like it and then they go forward with it and then they give you way more than you ever bargained for. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was cool because I really haven't gotten the chance to watch that much Lucha Underground. I don't have it on my TV, and then um, I, I can get it online, but I just never get around to that type of stuff. So, you know, I, I heard all the buzz about the the death match, hardcore match, whatever you want to call it. And uh, when I watched it, and I I hear the commentators talking, and they're like, you know, these two had problems when they were overseas, and I'm like, these motherfuckers. <laughs> that was my first response. Was like, what kind of shit? And then a minute it sunk in. I was like, yo, they they have some depth here. This is like the indies. It's it's so shallow. It's just right. You get nothing out of it. I mean, it's so. Um, yeah, I thought it was really cool because you know at first it's like, what the fuck is he talking about with this overseas shit? And then I'm like, you know what? Wow, this is like an actual show. Like they put actual work into this shit, and that's that's you know you want to separate yourself from just two dudes wrestling. Right, like, um, it, it, and it's and it's fun. Like, some people want to like this, like they want to suspend their disbelief for like an hour, and then you get to go on the indies and watch those same guys kill it. So you get a little bit of both. Why not see them in like a different avenue? Yeah. You know, like you get your Jeff Cobbs, but hmm, I want to I want to see Jeff Cobb actually like try to kill somebody in the ring. So then you turn on Lucha and you see him as Matanza. So you know, you get the best of both worlds in the aspect that you can like honestly have like super women that can compete with guys and overpower men because they're all super they're all superhero competitors in the show. You know, some people want a little more depth. Yeah. It's like I, as much as I love seeing fights fight choreography done and demonstrations. Like, I don't want to see just that being done. Sometimes I want to see, like, a story to the character and then seeing an action sequence and seeing movies and driving and all that. You know, you you want, like, you don't want to just see them fighting. You want to see them fighting for a reason, fighting for a common goal, fighting to defend something, fighting for revenge, fighting for, you know, you want, you want a little more in depth. And I feel like Lucha offers that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. I think a lot of times what what gets to me on the indies is because you get the good matches, but then the most that you can even put together as far as a personality or a story is, is the way that these guys are interacting on, you know, social media. And a lot of times it smashes right, your big kayfabe character. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, guys are acting like boyfriends on Facebook or Twitter and it's like, come on, man. Like I'm supposed to believe you're fighting each other. I know it's not real, but give me something. Right. All right, I mean, I, I, you know. I truly understand that. I really do. Because when you go to the show, you want to suspend that disbelief, but it's hard to when you know in the back of your mind these guys were just tweeting, like, birthday cakes to each other and, like, you know, right behind or, like, yeah. saying, like, oh, man, you, you know, gifting each other behind the behind the scenes. You know, so, like, but 
Yeah. With Lucha, you don't get that. You know, you don't get to see Matanza on his phone or walking into the arena, like, or driving in or, like, doing, like, like a road show, uh, like, a, you know, like, at Starbucks, hanging out with, you know, whoever he's about to, like, murder in a few hours. You don't get that. Yeah. Or, or spooning with, with another guy in the ocean like Sammy and Dave Chris do. Yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes you got spoon best friend. You know, that shit kills yeah, K-Fab. Um, <laughs> like, murders it. Um, so, uh, then the back to, you know, it's some indie stuff. Uh, in WrestleCon, you wrestled Loki, which, again, I had no idea that happened. Um, Loki, obviously, you know, very feared across the indies. Um, a lot of stories and everything like that. Um, how'd your match with Loki go, and, you know, what could you say about that? It was a very great learning experience for me, honestly. And it wasn't like learning experience in the way like he humbled me in the ring or whatever. It was like the, the experience like I feel comfortable going out there in front of like thousands of people and with someone who's very uh, experienced and the veteran, one of the, like fucking the best like performers in independent wrestling history and knowing that we didn't call anything mm-hmm. and I can, I can go with him. Like I can stand toe to toe with them, and honestly, that's one. That was one of the few times it felt like, oh, this is one professional wrestling another professional, rather than me trying to wrestle up to so and so name that I'm in the ring with. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Like, cause you you ever you ever yeah. watch a match on the Indies and you see like, oh man, they brought so and so who just left WWE to wrestle local kid here. Or whatever, and so in, in the matches, I always feel like, oh, this kid's trying to prove something to him, or he's trying to wrestle up to his level. Oh, can you can you um, compete with me? Can you run with me in the ring? It didn't feel like that with me and Loki. It felt like two guys that are professionals and have been doing this for a while. Here's what I offer. Here's what you offer. Let's gel and push, mix it together. Mm-hmm. And he didn't treat me lower than that. He tra- he treated me like an equal competitor, which is what like. I always try to get from anybody I work with. And so that's why I say it was a good learning experience for me in that sense that I was like, okay, I'm here to work. I'm here to perform. I'm not here to prove anything to Loki, but I'm here to work with Loki and he's here to work with me. And it felt like that. And it was a great experience. We've actually known, we actually met earlier that year, maybe a couple months before, because we were doing mocap for the WW2K game. And we worked together doing that, mm. and we we gelled. We got along very great. And then we met again when we hung out again at AAW uh, afterwards in Chicago, and like walked from one gas station all the way back to the hotel. And it was like a ten minute walk, and we just talked about stuff and just gelled. Like he, we just got we got along really well. So we got along before we even had that match. And I feel like that's why it went so well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, best of the best sixteen. You go to the finals against Dave Christ. It was obviously the first time they took best of the best out of the area. A lot of the home fans weren't too happy about that. Um, what was your feelings about the tournament overall, and you know, going to the finals against Dave? Uh, first off, I would say that was like probably the only way that you were going to get the the stacked best of the best that you were going to get rather than getting everybody over to Jersey, which, you know, I can understand the local Jersey fans suck. It, it would suck for them. But to get, like, the Michael mm-hmm. Elgin on one show with Ricochet on on the same show with, like, Ethan Page with uh, Jason Cade, 
Des Xavier and Leo and like all these like international like Phoenix Pentagon Pentagon versus Tremont you know all you got all these guys mixed mixed in on one show you know how else were we going to be able to do that rather than do it in Orlando I, I thought it was a phenomenal idea but um going on going up to the finals man like I I still to this day like hold best of the best in a high honor with just being in the tournament, being able to like advance, win a match, going into the next um, round of best of the best, that still means a lot to me. But I'm still a fan at heart with it when it comes mm-hmm. to CCW, and like also like like seeing like the, one of the couple matches that inspired me in, in front of pro wrestling was like best of the best ten when you had Adam Cole versus Sammy in the finals, and seeing like Sammy versus Dice K, Adam Cole versus Zack Saber in the second round. You know, seeing AR Fox kill it in mm-hmm. the first round with in the four ways. You know, seeing all that stuff that inspired me, like Gargano and freaking Gargano, Adam Cole and O'Reilly in the first round of that. That kind of those kind of matches inspired me. I was like, man, I want to be in this so bad, and for me to be able to go to the finals against a JML brother like Dave Chris, man, that like like winning or losing, I was just happy and really proud and honored to be in that position that I was, and to be able to be trusted to go that far and do what I did in that tournament. Not to mention that was my fourth match of that day because earlier that day, a noon, yeah, around noon, I did pancakes and pile drivers and wrestled Ricochet for 20 minutes before even doing the tournament. Yeah. yeah that's crazy as hell. <laughs> Man. Um, you, you mentioned JML. What is, a, what is a JML? I have no idea. Masada doesn't know either. Man, if you don't know, you don't know, man. It's just a click. It's the, it's the group. <laughs> What's the Masada supposed to be in it? He don't know. <laughs> so, depending on the day Masada doesn't know a lot of things but he he knows but it, it it's it's just our group of guys okay. you know from like yeah we travel with and now like seeing Jake and Dave throw it up throw up the JML sign on TV is really cool on TNA and stuff I called my my finishing move the JML driver on Lucha you know Sammy's doing like JML stuff on TV and stuff and then you got like like freaking Tommy and Alistair Black doing it on NXT. It's it's really cool to see how far out we branch, even though we're still cool. You, you know what I mean? It's just something to signify yeah. like our um, brotherhood, no matter where we are and what promotion or where we are in the world and who we're working for. Yeah. Um, what happened with you and David Starr? Because I know you guys were close tagging, you know, and everything else. And um, it seemed like at some point you guys had a falling out or something. Um, well, I promised well, uh, 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 one of my JML freaking fathers, big brothers, that I wouldn't go into it anymore, and I dead it pretty much. Basically, it's just like I'll put it. I'll put it as simple as this: I'm not a fan of liars, and I always say this on social media. Not everybody wants to see you do well, and even less people want to see you do better than them. So I'll put it that way. Okay, that's fine. Um, so you mentioned wrestling Ricochet. Um, obviously, you know the the other half of the uh, the Will Osprey world famous matches. You know, another guy that's going to bring the best out of you, and you know, a guy that you I'm sure worked with in uh, Lucha Underground as well. But what's it like, you know, working with Ricochet? Honestly, I've never worked with him in Lucha Underground. Surprisingly, um, okay. we did a, We did do a we did do a dark match. And we tagged together in an intergender tag match, intergender six-man tag match. But that was about it as far as Lucha. But um, 
he's another one that's like a big brother, like a Sammy Callahan. To me, Adam Cole, A.R. Fox, Swan, even though Swan's younger. Um, he's one of those guys that helped groom me to where I am now. You know, he, now I wouldn't say held my hand through a lot of things, but he definitely gave me that extra push when I like. He, you never, you can never do excellent when you're in front of the when you're with these guys. They always want you to do better. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, that match mm-hmm. was amazing. You killed it, but you could have done this better. But you should have done this. But he he's one of those guys that always adds that but to everything just to make sure that I'm always trying to constantly get better because he's like a perfectionist in the ring. Even like, even the match that was like a masterpiece that a lot of people would say between him and Rick, him and Osprey. I'm pretty sure in the back of his mind mm-hmm. he's kicking himself in the ass for saying like talking about all the things that he might have done wrong or things that didn't go right because he's that much of a perfectionist. Yeah, and like he pushes me to try to be just as perfect, just be just as like disciplined in the ring as he is, which is a very difficult thing. And that's why I never present myself as like, oh, I'm the best in the world, man. I'm the best at this. I'm the best because I have three titles. Like, no, because like, Sammy, there's guys like Sammy that teach me and show me the way. Like, and I'm and I'm not as good as those guys. There's guys like Ricochet that try to teach me and show me the way, and I'm not as good as Ricochet. You know, there's guys like Adam Cole that's like try to teach me and show me the way, and I'm still not as good as them. Hopefully, one day my goal is to be better than all mm. of them, but that's a really impossible thing to do, but I'm always pushing forward to try to do better. Ricochet is that guy that is one of those guys that always pushes me to try to do better. No matter how well I do, you can always do better. But he's also like, he also is one of the guys that never has a bad thing to say about, about me, which is like amazing. You know, that's a really great thing. And he's like always singing my praises to everybody. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been the Lucha if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have got a lot of opportunities that I've gotten. And if it wasn't for Sammy, I wouldn't have gotten a lot of opportunities as well. But, like, working with Ricochet, that was another one of those opportunities, like how I was with Low-Key. I'm not wrestling up to Ricochet. We're partners, and we're going into this match together, and we're performers now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we wrestled ACH and AAW, you know, later – uh, later that month, and um, yeah, AEW seems to be booking some really creative stuff. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on AEW and working ACH? Uh, they're the hottest promotion in the Midwest, if not the country. And um, I would say the only thing they're missing right now is a, is a streaming service to show the, a lot of the stuff that they mm-hmm. have, like a little as far as like a live eye pay per view and stuff like that. But they're the hot, one of the hottest promotions yeah. in the in the in the country, hands down. And they're one of my favorite places to work with as well. And I'm working with ACH is always a blast. Um, I, I we had a match years ago in 2012, I believe, in Super Indie, Super Indie tournament, I believe it was. Yeah, Super Indie, out in uh, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. And um, I, I was nowhere near ready, like seasoned enough to perform and go go the way they like, have those match those real high caliber matches that. We sh- I should and I could have at that time, but n- at this point, the ACH did his Ring of Honor stint. He did his, he's doing his New Japan thing. I did my Lucha thing. We were more seasoned and way more ready for each other now, and that's and I feel like that match showed that. Yeah. Um, 
the Bullet Club, you ended up wrestling Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. You had Leo Rush and Ryan Smile on your side in the UK. Um, you know, obviously the Bullet Club, you know, makes all sorts of headlines and, you know, they're they're one of the most over things out there. Um, what was it like getting in there with the Bullet Club and doing that? Uh, no, uh, honestly, it was my debut for Rev Pro in your call. I got the main event, which is awesome. And then the main event with the elite is incredible. Like I've Kenny Omega was somebody I'd never, I never in a million years would have imagined working with. I never thought it was possible. Then to work with mm-hmm. the Bucks on top of that, along with once again, going back to Leo, how close we are and where he's come from. And just to be like side by side with a really good friend of mine, you know, like and protege at the same time, it's like one of those things that you can only write in a book, in a story, you know, it's one of those kind of things. So, like, that meant a yeah. lot to me, having, like, one of my best friends side-by-side with me to do that. And then Ryan Smile, who's an incredible talent in the U.K., should definitely look his look his work up, Ryan Smile. Check him out. And, man, he's awesome. He's had amazing matches with Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull and OTT out in Ireland. Um, won a lot of titles. He's just a really talented mm-hmm. dude. And me and him tag a lot in Rev Pro. We just wrestled the Briscoes, actually, this past year um, in a tag match. So, check out yeah. Ryan Smile. Um, but yeah, dude, like to be able to, to be in like marquee like that in the UK, which is one of the biggest draws. That was like, I feel like that's one of the biggest draws Rev Pro's ever had. And they've had Kurt Angle in the ring with Zack Sabre. They had Nakamura in the (laughs) ring, you know, so to be in the marquee of that match on that promotion in that building meant so much. And that's really cool. Especially three African-American dudes to do that together. Like, you don't see that in indie wrestling at all. You don't see that in wrestling, period. But I, that meant a lot to me in that aspect for our culture yeah. as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you wrestled Jack Jack Evans over in the U.K. You had mentioned wrestling him earlier. Um, you know, Jack was a guy that was on fire in the U.S. for a while, and he just kind of took his show on the road, and he's been blowing it up overseas. Um, what was it like wrestling Jack Evans either time? Uh, both have been highly entertaining. Like, as talented as he is, he's just as equally, like, uh, entertaining. Person, his personality is just entertaining, and he brings that in the ring so well, and you always have a good time with him. Uh, another one of those guys that I'm an independent wrestling legend, and to be able to step in the ring with him and also call him a friend outside of the ring is just is unreal. To, is, it's unreal for me. It's really cool, though. And to get in the ring with him, to still see, like, at his age, for all that he's done to his body over the course of, like, 10-plus years he's been wrestling and still be able to, like, do a Sasuke special to the outside, still pull a 630 off, still do a freaking standing 450. It's just incredible. And then just to be in the ring and witness mm-hmm. and feel how good he truly is, it's it's like a mm-hmm. – it's like uh it's, it's a rewarding feeling just to be in the ring with him. You know, it's that fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you wrestled Shelton Benjamin. Um, there was a headline that went out that said something about Shelton Benjamin refuses to job the people on the Indies. You beat him. You beat him by count out. Um, so I don't know if that necessarily, you know, some people, if they don't get pinned, they don't count it. Um, what was your experience working with Shelton? And I mean, do you feel like there's any truth to that? Because I, I have no idea. There may be some, you know, but um, I'm pretty sure like with that being said, like he, 
probably knew that he was about to start being on TV for SmackDown soon. So mm-hmm. I feel like he had to protect himself, and like, and uh, like, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was like protective of a lot of spots he was unsure of taking with unfamiliar talent as well. So because he didn't want to get hurt or mm-hmm. pull anything, because you know his TV premiere, his TV debut was like delayed for a while because of injury and surgery and stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure he was just being protective of himself for a while before he kind of came back to SmackDown, which I don't fault him for. Working with him was a blast. He was so easy to work with. Um, so much fun. Had a blast with him before the show and after. And just being in the like, dude, like, honestly, he is massive, a massive individual. So, like, when we're, like, wrestling in the ring, I'm like, dude, I, I shouldn't be able to move this guy. I shouldn't be able to, like, I, I, he just he should just, just dominate me because he's just that massive of a human being. And it was also at the, like, the Wrestling Hall of Fame show and walking around the, the, yeah. the Amateur Wrestling Hall of Fame and seeing his, like, his accolades from when he wrestled, like, in college for Minnesota and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, there's no way I should be able to beat him at all. Like, there's no way. Like, him being next to him, <laughs> yeah. he, has rec- he has records next to Brock Lesnar, man. Like, like, there's no way I should beat this guy. Like, so, like, just being able to be in the ring with him and, like, like it, it was a really cool experience. He's a freaking fun guy, and, like, it's really cool to see him on TV continually to kill it and be talented as hell. Yeah. Um, you wrestled Sammy, obviously, many times, but you had a match with him, uh, you know, no holds barred or what have you in Wrestle Circus. Um, match was crazy. I watched it. And, um, you know, what was your thoughts on that match? You guys seem to really go all out, do a lot of crazy ass spots. And um, this was actually my first match that I ever saw for Wrestle Circus. Um, what's your thoughts on Wrestle Circus? You know, whatever they got, um, you know, as far as what they're going for and that match overall. Uh, as far as Wrestle Circus, they got something very unique going on right now, and they were the first wrestling promotion in the independence to start streaming on Twitch, which got a lot of attention. And they tried the um, the tipping thing that got a lot of uh, controversy and attention as well. And I feel like if you're the first to try or do anything, you're always going to get controversy, positive and negative. And they got, but the, regardless, they got attention for it, you know. And that's what any promotion just needs especially that's new in it within his first year. Mm-hmm. Um, they book a really great talent and they book matchups that you're not seeing all over the place as well, which is what I think makes them very unique. Uh, they have champions. They have qualified champions that are very unique. Like uh, they were the first promotion to look, really put their top title on me first, then came Defy and CZW. But like they were the first real champ, like mm-hmm. real promotion to like give me that chance, make me the, like, I, I just felt like I was a pretty good performer, but to be a marquee talent and performer, that's a huge responsibility, not only on the promotion, but on the performer himself. And for them to like really put me as the showcase, as the headliner for some of the shows, that meant a huge deal to me. Then they trusted me with that. And they were like, they were the first promotion to be like, you run with it. We trust you. Go out there and kill it. We put all this faith in you. And I got nothing but support from them since day one. And um, the match itself, yeah. me and Sammy, man, like, uh, which earlier in that earlier that evening, he dropped that pipe bomb, pipe bomb promo, tight promo on the Indies, like just talking about like how he's the most important guy on the show on in the Independence, which 
in my opinion, which a lot of a lot of other performers' opinions, he really is. He's really probably one of the most important people on the independent wrestling scene today. Um, yeah, so we had that heat going into the match, which like really, really, really sparked the the fans, the live fans, and the fans that were watching on Twitch that evening. That really got them invested into our match that much more. And it's really cool when you get to see like a promotion with like the promoting of a match within the show that hypes it later on. That's really cool to see on independent shows, which you don't see often. You see it on like SmackDown and Raw. Mm-hmm. Like they come out or within the first hour, they right. cut their promo. They have like blah 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 blah. Kurt Angle comes down blah 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 blah, and then later on they have the match. You don't really see that too much with independent shows. So it was really cool to have that and spark and get more interest right. and more people to watch and pay attention. So uh, we got that going into the match, and uh, he beat the shit out of me as usual. We had a lot of great storytelling as well, but he's also someone that's like a mentor to me that just freaking continues to test me and push me. And that was one of the matches he pushed me and tested me to like the to the end of the world, man. But I always like I always like that. I want to show that I can do it. That I'm not here just because like I have like a lot a good following or whatever. I'm here because I can do the work. I can perform. You know that I'm something different and unique. I'll never say I'm the best performer in the world. I always just think I'm just very unique and I offer something different that a lot of people don't. And I feel like I'm honestly one of the most well-rounded performers out there right now who can kind of dabble and do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say, like, I have an A+. Um, I I wouldn't say I have an A plus in every category. I would say, like, I'm a B in every category, which is cool for me. (laughs) Um, What's your thoughts on the whole tip jar situation? Uh. wasn't really a tip jar. It was just like a way for fans to like reward like really good performances in matches that they really enjoyed, which is nothing wrong with that. Mexicans in Lucha in Lucha has been throwing pesos in the ring for generations. And then all of a sudden when we find a way to make it a digital way to do it, it's wrong in a way. You know, it's kinda like taboo. You know? Which isn't fair. I think Do you think that fair. alters like, the way again, that Oh, go ahead. Do you think that alters the way that the guys have to work the match because now it's you know based on a like a tip situation? Uh, which uh, I, I've I had I've had this conversation with a lot of friends of mine. Yes and no because if this was a TV product, different story. You 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 got to build the card. Like four to six minute matches shouldn't be doing all this craziness that like the third fourth match is going to be doing, you know what I mean? Um, but the way that the independence right. wrestling scene has been changed so dr- dramatically with, like, the PWGs, with, like, from start to finish, the matches are insane. You know, CZW has been doing that for years. Like, uh, freaking Ring of Honor has been doing that for years. Dragon Gate has been doing it for years. Evolve, the opening match can kill it and, like, kind of outshine the middle match, the, the, the match before intermission, which can outshine the main event of the show, you know, so, but, like, the only way, the way to make that drastically different is just to have something that's unique. Each match should have something unique that's going to, like, there's going to be times where a comedic match with Joey Ryan, Jervis Cottonbelly, Colt Cabana, and um, Space Monkey is going to have such a amazing match that's so funny and, like, they didn't take any bumps or whatever, 
that's going to be more entertaining to a lot of fans than guys that go out there and flip all day and kill themselves like a Sammy Guevara versus a Flip Gordon, if that makes any sense. It's just mm-hmm. like they, it's, it's not all about like going yeah. out there trying to kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. It's offering something different and unique. There's a, like the fans that like um, when you go on Twitter and they like put out like what was your favorite match of the entire year for Russell Circus whatever. There's so many different. This is not the same match over and over and over and over over again. There's so many different match types. There's some matches that some people put up their top three matches because they can't decide. But it's three different matches. There's always a different match. So it it's not just like I feel like um, makes the worker go out there and perform harder. And like irresponsibly, it just makes them perform uniquely and different. That's what we need to work on more. And I feel like that's what we need to do on the indies. We need to work on being more unique and different rather than trying to like push our bodies to like pass the limit that it's already we've already gone past the an athleticism limit that we shouldn't be. You know, we've gone past an like a a, a kayfabe limit that we shouldn't be already. We've, we've gone past, the, like, the violence level that mm-hmm. we shouldn't be at, but we've gone past that. So now when we add this little thing in there, this little gimmick into it, we have to draw it back now? It's kind of too late. You know what I mean? Hmm. There's a time and place for it, but yeah, I, I feel like I there's definitely a time and place for it. Yeah. But it's, it's we're going past all these things so much now, and now it's like now it's time for like us to bring it back some who's to say when it is when is the time that we do that when is what's the place you know i I, me personally i feel like it is time we bring it back a little bit because we've gone very very far in the future of wrestling which i'm very nervous about where we're going to go in the future with guys already doing double moonsaults you know like so yeah there Mm -hmm. it is time for a drawback but I think I feel like we need to always push forward create creatively. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, you wrestled well. You got the CZW World Title, and then soon after, you wrestled Masada as a defense. Um, Masada always seems like the measuring stick. You know, a lot of times when people have some doubts in somebody, uh, CZW will throw them up against Masada because then, you know, you know, going through Masada, you know, that, that guy is proven. So if anyone had any doubts about Shane Strickland as a world champion, uh, he's going up against Masada. This is going to prove that he's legit. Um, that's, that's the way I saw it. Um, what did you think about the match? And, you know, was that the idea going in? I feel like it was, I feel like it was like, uh, I need, like, I needed to be le- uh, legitimized. Like you said, like that was pretty much the perfect person to try to legitimize the the uh, the, the the next world champion. You know, you put him up against Masada. You put him up against mm-hmm. that gatekeeper of CCW. Everybody has their gatekeeper, yeah, for their promotion. So like Masada was ours. Um, it, it like I enjoyed the match, and for and I honestly think it did exactly what it needed for me to be champion. It did exactly what it needed. You know, I needed mm-hmm. like especially as a babyface champion, which is really hard to be a babyface in CCW, and still be looked at like as someone sure. who's not too hokey or cheesy or corny or like get the back the like get that 
backlash from the fans of being a babyface, a two good, a goody two shoes type of character. You need to get yeah. your ass whooped past uh-huh. the limit of like an ass whooping, you know. <laughs> and uh, Masada did that to me, sure. and, but at the same time, I dished it back. It wasn't like I got beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up, then I beat him. It was like every like. Everything that he gave me, I endured it, but I always had a counter back for it. And then when the skewers came out, it was like, oh, Shane's not going to take it. He's not that guy. Oh, he took it. Oh, he is that guy. Hmm. I need to start looking at this man differently. And I, that's what I needed for that. And then going right. forward, it helped me with every other title match I've had ever since then. Yeah. Cause, you know, I, I've been a fan for a long, long time, you know, and uh, I've always put you over to people and stuff, but... um. My co-host that I do a weekly show with, uh, Shaheen, uh, he, he tends to, he's not always been a fan. He says, you know, you got, you're good in the ring and everything, but it, in his opinion, you smile too much. So like what you were just saying about, you know, being corny, he's kind of um, accused you of being that. I mean, do you have any response to that? Because I know he's listening right now. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if I've smiled too much now. I have smirks now, but there was a time, yeah, I smiled a lot. Um, but, like, I feel like I've matured past that a little bit more. Like, ah, like I feel like right now it's more of, like, a smirk instead of a smile to me, what I'm seeing. <laughs> maybe the perspective, right. maybe I'm, I'm missing the perspective. I don't know. But, yeah, like, I always feel like the he smiles seems to be when, coming like, around. Mean, yeah. He seems to be coming around. Hey. Hey, um, he can always talk to me or tell me like how he feels about me. If I don't change his mind, oh well, I'm not I'm not his champion, you know. So, but um, yeah, I, I'm glad he continues to watch and like, hey, let me maybe I'll, he's not gonna do it this time. Maybe I'm gonna see what he's like. Maybe like the fact that he's watching my work and knows who I am, that's something that I I yeah. value. You know, what I mean, instead of like, oh, who's the Shane guy? I don't never yeah. heard of him. You know. So it could be that, but I'm glad it's not. Yeah. Now, I, I think he's coming around. It might have been the earlier work, as you said. You you smiled a little bit more earlier, so I don't know. Yeah, like, I've, I've I don't watched know. matches. I don't see the issue, but... like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, who knows? <laughs> yeah, so, who um, knows? Literally, who just knows? Just stay angry, and he'll, he'll like you, so... <laughs> Yeah, like, like I said, like it, um, like CZW you fans, like you, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you wrestled Matt Riddle in AEW. You know, Matt Riddle's another one of those guys that's getting a lot of press, and um, you know, ex MMA guy, he's killing it out there. Um, what was it like wrestling Matt Riddle? Uh, painful, but in the right way. Uh, yeah. I, this year, yeah, it was the right, right kind of painful. Like, honestly, this was a, this has been a year I've been finding myself having a lot of good in-ring chemistry with guys that are completely opposite my style, and it's been testing me a lot. You know what I mean? Like they're putting mm-hmm. me up against, like this year I've been put up against like the Ethan Pages, I've been put up against the Masadas, the um, the Matt Riddles, the Zach Sabers. You know, I'm wrestling guys that like you usually wouldn't normally see me with. I'm wrestled Elgin, you know, like but I'm starting to gel with those guys yeah. that are completely different from me. And uh, I feel like that's the testament of like how um, promoters see me now. They don't see me like, Oh, put him with the, this flippy guy. Don't put him with this flippy guy. Put him with this 
high flyer guy. Put him with this six man scramble. Put him in the scramble. Put him in the scramble. Put him in the scramble. Like I've matured past that a little bit, you know. And um, Matt Riddle was like honestly the first one of the first few people. I would say Matt Riddle and Elgin were the first two guys to like really be like those outside of my style guys I've performed with. And I have so much great in ring chemistry with Riddle. It's like insane. It's so much fun. He always tests me as well. And he's just like Yeah. He he's 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 just he's he's another one that's evolving the sport in a different way as well. Yeah. Um you went to IWA Mid South, wrestled the Ted Petty Invitational, went to the quarterfinals against Jake Chris, guy you've obviously wrestled many times before. What was it like going down there working for Ian? The Ted Petty Invitational is a huge legendary tournament on the Indies. Um, you know, what was the experience like for you? Uh I got a lot of warnings about going down to work for Ian beforehand, like a, like I got a lot of that. Sure you did. Uh, yeah, you know, like, like not just like, like as in a, like, oh man, IWA. There's a lot of death matches and stuff like that. Where it's like it's violent. It was just like a lot of warnings as far as like uh, business wise. I had a really good time. I got treated very well, and yeah. I, like I had no uh, financial woes as far as my payment. I was like, I was really happy with how I performed. The people I got put in the ring to work with, um, like being around Ian hearing stories with them, like he, like another person that put me with guys that opposite my style, and he put me in a, in a uh, spot to wrestle Ace Perry to help me groom someone, and then wrestle Jake, which is another JML brother of mine, so like Jake Chris. So like I had a great time, and just being uh, in the Ted Petty Invitational was another cool like little bucket list of mine as far as like those independent like goals. Everybody wants to have those independent wrestling goals that you want to like mark off. You want your you want your Japan, you know. You want like uh, you want to work IWA and you, you want to do PWG, and, and Ted Petty is one of those things. So like I feel like that was really cool to finally knock that off my independent the bucket list. Yeah, um, and then AAW, you know. They're doing some pretty cool shit. They got you tagging with Keith Lee. And what's it like tagging with Keith Lee, another guy who's making big waves on the indies right now? And, um, you know, you got a couple matches tagging with him. It, it, it was honestly, like, feels like a big brother. Actually, no, it doesn't even feel like a big brother. It feels like a big uncle. Like, a, just a really fun uncle. That <laughs> like, that's what it feels like, working with Keith. Um Cool, calm, collective dude. A really smooth talker. Incredibly smooth talking dude. Like as, as phenomenal as he is in the ring, he's a phenomenally good, good promo as well. And I don't think a lot of people give him enough credit for that. He's a really smooth talker, and doing promos with him in the back are way more fun. It's just way more fun for me. And he's just like very talented and can sing. He's a musically like intuitive guy. He's well, he's just real down to earth, and he's also very honest. He doesn't bullshit you. He's very honest with his opinion and, like, uh, very honest with, like, how he thinks a match should go or how he feels about certain things being done in the match. So, like, uh, big ups to Keith Lee. He's just won the WWN Live Championship, you know, so, like, well-deserving, incredibly talented guy. I love working with Keith Lee. 
Yeah. Um, couple real quick outside of the wrestling box things. Um, what would be top five comedians of all time? No particular order, in your opinion. Oh, no particular order. Um, Eddie Eddie Murphy, Bernie Mac. Mm-hmm. I gotta put Cat Williams up there. Dave Chappelle, and for the future, wow. Kevin Hart. <laughs> And, uh, but of course, you need Richard Pryor if you want to really, really. Dr- I feel like for that generation, yeah, you, you can name so many. Like you got like the Robin Harris's, you got like the Red Foxes. You know, there's like a big group of those guys. I feel like Richard Pryor for that generation. For the following generation after that, I would say Bernie Mac. No, oh, actually, before Bernie Mac, I would say Eddie Murphy, then Bernie Mac, then I'll put Cat. For the mid two thousands, and then I put Kevin Hart for our generation now. I feel like I would give it to Dave Chappelle if he did more stand ups, but Cat did just ran the stand up game for the early two thousands. Yeah. All right. Um, five rappers. Top five adding. rappers all the time. Uh, Again, no. I was gonna say. It's, I was also gonna say like it's really no particular tough. order. Also, uh, man, uh, my personal top five of all time. Yeah, yeah. You think? Okay. Um, my very first favorite rapper it was like DMX. So DMX goes okay. up there. Um, after that, I would say Kanye West. Uh, Eminem, Eminem, Big Sean, and right now my favorite, my current favorite, like, I would say Big Sean's one of my current favorite, but like, as far as like new, new school, as ASAP Rocky has been like one of my favorite guys right now. Uh, You do what I need, that mumble rap shit? Nah, nah, I can't do it. Nah, good. Nah, <laughs> I can't. nah, nah. Drives me fucking crazy. It, it it it's hurting. It hurts me. Um, if you had to pick, yeah, man. If you had to pick your top three favorite albums, any genre, off the top of your head, and obviously, you know, later you'd be like, oh shit, I should have said this one, but just top three. Yeah, that's top always I always do that on these things. You're putting me in a hard spot right now. Um, Kanye's late registration. Uh, Actually, no, not Kanye's late. I always it's always a toss up for me with Kanye's late registration or his uh, Dark Twisted Fantasy album. It's always a toss up there. Um, okay, but for with nostalgia, I'll go late registration. Um, is dark and hell is hot. Okay. And Marshall Mathers LP. Nice. All right. Um, now you, you put together quite a catalog of, you know, wrestling and, you know, just in the past, I mean, it's been like two years since I talked to you, I think. And, um, I mean, just the catalog there. So if you had to put together right now, you know, your, uh, your market tape, you know, or, or something to, to show yourself to a new audience that didn't see you before, what would be the three matches you put on there? 
Um, I would say me versus Osprey from Riptide Wrestling that just happened earlier this year. Really fun match. I put that above our progress match, okay. to be honest. Um, I would say that one. Top three. Ooh. My, uh, ooh, there's a triple threat match I just watched of mine recently. It was me versus Sammy Callahan versus Leo Rush at Fight Club Pro this year. That was a really fun one. And I would say it's a toss-up between me and Ricochet from MLW this past month. And um, my weapons of mass destruction match from Lucha. It's one of those two. And for if we're just going to go basic wrestling, I'm going to go with uh, me and Ricochet from MLW. Nice. Crazy thing is, this is all just yeah. this past year. <laughs> that was good shit. Um, yeah, as I said, you put that together, a crazy catalog, and just just this past year, um, you know, yeah, on top of what you've already done. Um, being CCW champion, you know, what's that like? Um, you know, I, there was a point where you weren't booked, you were in the building, you were behind the merch table. You know, we're we're watching the show, and you know, maybe some of the matches weren't so good, and and you're standing back there, not even you know having a match. Uh, you go from that to being CZW World Champion. Obviously, a lot of a lot of pressure, I'd imagine. Um, what's it like overall? And you know, how do you go from here to there? Um, from going from there, like from that point, because I remember those I remember those days. Um, you, it's, mm-hmm. it's maturity. It's maturity. It's honestly maturity. Uh, it's knowing your placement um, in the company and in the show. At that point, I didn't feel like Less I smiling. I knew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Men don't men don't smile. So um, honestly, it feels. I I, <laughs> yeah, I remember the conversation I had with DJ. Um, it was right after uh, Cage of Death. What that the oh. It was the one I had with uh, I had the match with Alex Cologne for the wire title. It was the fact that I mm-hmm. I knew that I was elevated yeah, I more and more, and I yeah I, I can't remember which cage of death it was number wise, but I knew that I was elevating past um, where I where I was being presented, and I had a conversation with DJ and I said I wanted more. And right then and there, he put the wire title on me the following mm-hmm. show. And he's like, all right, show me what you got. So when I got – when you get pressure like that, you have to perform. You have to be creative. You got to – that's when the when the pressure's on you, you got to show that you can do the work. And that was that. And that was DJ saying, prove it to me that yeah. you can do the work. Because I knew that I was getting past a certain point. That took maturity to be able to say that, like, I know that I can do this when most guys would just sit back and wait for that opportunity to come, I was like, I, I think I'm ready for it now. I think you missed the boat on me on this. And I think I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to be that guy. I'm, uh, I'm ready to be something more important. And I think mm-hmm. I had the maturity level to finally do that. And then ever since that moment, DJ never, like when I was around, 
he always wanted me on the card. He always needed me on the show. And um, that meant a lot to be someone that's needed on the on a on a show, needed on a roster. You know what I mean? Like there's the guys that you like. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's good, but uh, right. we can go without him. The show, like it, it turned from that to like, yeah, we need Chain on the show. We need Chain to work this guy. We need Chain to do this. And that's where I took a lot of pride in. So the being, I you had to be honest with yourself also. You also be like when I came in and started working Swan, I knew I wasn't ready for the main event. Just getting Swan at that point was like that was that was him like throwing me the bone that was doing me the favor but he needed me to step up and like be able mm-hmm. to show that I can go with him so I need to I need to be honest with myself and my work and the my and and I need to be honest with myself and not which a lot of guys are not in wrestling and actually in entertainment business period not just wrestling they're not honest with themselves and their work they feel like they they're worth more than what the product that they're putting out. Mm-hmm. You ever see that a lot? I needed to be honest with myself. I'm like, I'm not worth the product that I'm putting that I'm I'm not worth that position with the product that I'm putting out. I still need to gain more momentum. I still need to get these things right. When I finally figured out that I got this thing right, I got my look right, I got my performing right, I got my body right cuz you you can't like I have to be I have to look believable to fight the Masada. If I'm still, like, looking how I was in 2012, it wouldn't have worked. So I had to be honest with my body. I have to be honest with a lot of things and my maturity to say, like, am I ready for this? And if I – so if it, if that meant sitting out of a show, that's what I had to do. I'm still there to help and represent CCW. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys miss that and want to get right. everything handed to them. They want to get that. They want to get everything right away. They want to get things when they're not put producing what they're, the product that they're worth yet. You got to be able to produce first over this past year. I proved that I can produce the product that they need from, from me. I've, I've proven it. And so now when I got the world title, I was ready for it. Yeah. It wasn't me. It wasn't me learning on the process. It wasn't me learning on the job. It was me. Okay, he's learned. He's learned everything he needs to do. He learned everything he needs to learn. He's doing everything he needs to be done. Now it's time for him to. to now he's, he's time for him to take that step because you're ready. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, we are we are one show away from Cage of Death going into. I mean, hopefully going into Cage of Death as the world champion. You know, there's a high. Uh, there's a you know high expectation for CZW World Champion going into that show, which is CZW's WrestleMania. Um, what's your thoughts going into that type of atmosphere, that big show with that title on your waist? It's more pressure. It's something that I know that I can do. Like um, getting like the more pressure is the better for it's the better for me. That also proves that like it also shows that. To me, like, to the to the fan base, it also shows to them that like, um, this isn't just like, oh, good timing. He became our champion with really good timing. No, it's something I've earned and I proved that I can do. Um, when you like, you always show your true colors when you perform under pressure. And I've always been, I've I've been getting mm-hmm. a lot of pressure situations the past couple years, and I've always like proven that I can perform and do it. 
to just another one of those pressure situations that I got to constantly continue to prove because you never stop proving yourself ever. You're only as good as your last match. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's about all I got, man. I can't thank you enough for coming back on. Um, it's been a while since we talked. We definitely got to do it more often. Um, so yeah, man. Um, you got anything to plug? Want to put out anything else out there? Oh, I always got stuff to plug, man. Um, so if you've been checking out high spots or my social media lately, which you can follow me on Twitter and at on and on Instagram at Strickland Shane, you can see that I have a talk show now on the High Spots Network called Swerve Talk. Uh, Swerve Talk One was started earlier this year with myself and Sammy Callahan and a good musician friend of mine, Monteezy. We call him the theme song king. We put together a tele. We put together like a talk show because everybody has a talk show and they all have their different narratives of how they like to go about shooting them. Mine, I was a big fan of like uh, ESPN first take and a round table of getting a discussion of things inside wrestling and outside wrestling and within the the, the social constructs of so, of social media, pop culture, sports, entertainment whatever, and I came up with a talk show with Montezzi and Sammy Callahan, we have different guests on every time on Swerve Talk, and we talk, discuss many different things um, that are happening in current current event situations. With, if you're a sports fan, if you're a video game fan, if you enjoy like talking about actors, actresses, um, like wrestlers in the media, musicians, you'll enjoy Swerve Talk. So Swerve Talk 1 and 2, and we just filmed Swerve Talk 3 last week, and that will be edited and up on Swerve Talk within the next month, which featured Ricochet and Jessica Havoc. So Swerve Talk 1 featuring Moose, Leo Rush, and Eddie Kingston, and Swerve Talk 2 featuring Leo Rush, Desmond Xavier, and Andrew Everett. Go check that out on the High Spots Network. And I have a Pro Wrestling Tees at Pro Wrestling Tees at Strickland Chain. Max Lancers and Strickland Chain. Nice. Yeah, man. Um, like I said, thanks for coming on. We definitely got to do this again soon. Absolutely, man. Cool, man. So, um, yeah, I'll talk to you later, man. Absolutely, dog. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Peace. So there you go. There's Shane Strickland, man. I uh, had him on a bunch of times in the past. He's always a good um, talk to. Like I said, man, he's just been fucking murdering it in the past year, two years since I've talked to him, man. You you just look at, you know, go down his match listing and the stuff that's been going on. Low-key, Ricochet, uh, Kenny Omega, you know, the Young Bucks. Um, Matt Riddle, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. He's tagging with Keith Lee. I mean, it it's a who's who in wrestling, you know, as far as the indies go. I mean, he's he's crushing it. So, um, you know, check him out. He's not smiling as much, Shane. You know what I mean? So, uh, I'm going to play the show on Price Track, come back and talk some shit, all right?
Jerome. Nice rappers, Mike Tyson fans, no. Tight fashion, Mike Jackson fans, dancing machine. As a man, the American regime. The shit you hold in this shit, cooling cancer to cream. Slump spoons, everything around me. Sping, sping, huh? What the fuck that mean? You go with the kids, throw the nigga, fuck that bean. Mean Gene Oakland, smoking the world you can read. Uh, so sacrilegious with the bird rhyme justice. So crack the bitches in the third trimester. You know how we go, you know about flow dope, I'll act on the boat. Never catch me on the girl song. I smack shit out you, we are the world song. Get a hate is scary, my defense intense, refrigerate the perforate the Somebody fam clapped at nine. Locked my body, can't trap my mind. Rap's divine, father, father divine. Uh, conversate with the congregation that's related with mine. Uh. You new to the one, two. Can't escape your fate, great. Who did I run to? True, birds and nerves don't hurt me. Half man, half machine, the team's mercy. On and on to the rigor dawn. Making Sean mad, she like that, fuck making songs. Nigga the gun now, gun poppers, when cops and nigga them dumb down. Give the hate is scary, my defense intense, refrigerated, perforated, they heavy. Lock my body, can't trap my mind. Lock my body, can't trap my mind. Um, they did their show over the weekend. Um, they, they're going in a weird fucking direction with a lot of things and I don't like it. Um, you know, as I said before, I'm a fan of Shane Strickland being world champion. So that to me is one thing that they're getting right. Um, I I do think that they're getting that right. I also think that, um, it's ridiculous for the most part to start playing your, your world title as a mid card championship. Um, I don't think that your world title needs to main event every show, but it should be pretty much every show. It should be every show minus a couple shows, in my opinion. I, I honestly think that's the case. And when you got a guy like Shane Strickland who's capable of putting the on the type of matches that he did, you know, with AR Fox, not saying this dude is gonna do a death match every month out there, but you can build something with him and he'll have this type of blow off match. You can see, you know, the shit he did with Masada with the skewers and all that. Um, we got to stop at this fucking mid card world title shit, man. They did the world, the, the wire title in the um the end of the show. 
I'll quick go over the results and give like little comments on it. Um, I I heard that people say that this show was fucking horrendous. Um, I may watch this comes out digitally. Um, and, and then me and Shaheen will go over it a little bit. But um, just just off of the results, I'll give you my thoughts on things. Um, Kid Osborne was defeated by David or defeated David Starr, I should say. Um, now they're doing a thing with David Starr having a losing streak. Okay. Um, from what I heard, this went down real quick, like real fucking quick. Kid Osborne just like beat David Starr. I don't think that type of shit should happen. Uh, David Starr is built up enough as a, as an athlete and as a wrestler that he should have fucking, you know, uh, like badass matches. I mean, this is the same guy that Sammy Callahan, when he came out of the WWE, there was no reason why he shouldn't have just been running through people to build up, you know, something before he even had like a, a, you know, a tit for tat match with anybody. And the first thing he did is came in back into CZW and had a tit for tat match with David Starr. So if Kit Osborne isn't at least having a back and forth match with this guy, well, then you're doing a disservice to your product. Um, I'm not against Kid Osborne going over. I think um, he deserves some shit. Um, Kid Osborne, you know, really stepped up in TOD. He's a kid who can wrestle. This guy was getting squashed back in the arena by Ego, uh, Robert Anthony, and G's. And and I think Kid Osborne is a guy who is willing to do a lot of different things. And I, I think the dude can um, he can be valuable. You know, they just got to find the right spot for him. Get him in there with some opponents. You know, who are going to really um, help elevate him and again i'm not against him winning this match but it, it, you know again I, I gotta go back and see it but from what i heard or whatever it didn't sound like a good deal um then he was abducted by the joe gacy squad which we'll get into the joe gacy squad in a little bit uh the next match was the most predictable ridiculous um match that they had was uh, JT Dunn with Josh Briggs, whoever that is, um, defeating Johnny Silver, Space Monkey, and Trey Miguel in a four-way. reason I say it was predictable and ridiculous is because they put out a promo from one of the four guys in the match. And when you do that, you pretty much know that that one guy out of the four guys in the match is going to be the one that they put over. Because there was no storyline, no promo, no anything out of three other people involved in the match. And you're the one guy that had the big, you know, grandiose promo about being the best and doing this and taking over and this and that. So be fucking ridiculous for that one guy who had a promo out of four guys, which in my opinion, you put out four fucking promos or you don't put out fucking promos. But, you know. I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to keep up with a story, but you're only giving me like the first page and, and then I get to see the ending already because I already know, you know, this fucking guy is going over in the end. It's like a very, very predictable story. This is what they're doing. Um, next up was, uh, Matt Palmer versus, um, Austin, Ace Austin and, uh, Matt Palmer won and didn't let go of the submission, whatever the fuck. Um, I don't know what the fuck this is here. Um, so I think this is like a Dojo Wars showcase match, but they're just labeling it as another match on the card. Um, so there that is. Um, then this is, uh, you know, again, match 
one, two, three, four on the card. Shane Strickland defeats Ethan Page to retain the CZW World Championship. This is the world fucking championship. This shit belongs on the second half of your card. You don't want to main event it. Don't main event it. Don't put this motherfucker four on your card. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous for you to put this shit here. The next fucking match is is Ace Romero versus Greg Excellent, rules of no contest. Ace Romero and Greg Excellent have a higher spot on the card than your CZW world champion. You got to be out of your fucking mind. This shit is completely fucking ridiculous. So anyway, after the match, um, uh, Gacy had... Uh, demanded a world championship match. Otherwise, he'd kill Kid Osborne. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, again, I like Kid Osborne, but that's not like the, the worst threat in the world. Like most people would be like, all right, <laughs> what do you got to do? I don't know that motherfucker. Um, so uh, that that was the threat. He's like, oh, I'll kill Kid Osborne. Like, all right, I mean, that sucks, but. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get a world title shot. And honestly, like this whole Gacy thing, no one wants to see Joe Gacy invade fucking anything. Um, Joe Gacy killed his own gimmick, killed his own fucking momentum. Instead of allowing his work to speak for itself, he let his fucking Facebook live speak for itself and actually thought that that was a good idea. He continually posts ridiculous things on Facebook about, oh, I just wrestled in New York, so... The, the state of New York's mine now. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. And, and then, you know, two minutes later, he's posting like, I have open dates. And then he just lists like every fucking weekend in the calendar, except for like two. And it's like, dude, you're embarrassing yourself. Like this type of shit is, you know, and then like CZW fired me. DJ, the, the, the fucking angle started with DJ Hyde going on his birthday, going happy birthday. You're fired. And then that was supposed to be the legitimate launch of this bullshit angle where he's fucking, you know, taken over and he's got his masks and his friends have masks and everybody shows up and no, you know, everybody's supposed to give a fuck about Joe Gacy is invading CZW. What kind of shit is this, man? And, and I don't give a fuck what nobody says. You can book him high on the card because you like him and all that type of shit. Joe Gacy's a mid-carder. I don't need a mid-carder fucking invading the company. That, that That's not... What the fuck is going on here? You can give him a fucking world title shot, whatever the case is. Let's not forget either, because um, Cage of Death is one show away. You have your November show, and you have Cage of Death. And remember that dumbass move you made? I'm sure they remember it. There's no way that this is something they forgot. They have to have a plan for it. But the winner of... uh, Whatever, I don't know. Whoever goes into Cage of Death is supposed to be fighting... Ricky Shane Page, you won a title shot like fucking nine months ago or some stupid ass shit. It was like, I think, eight months until Cage of Death, and he won an opportunity for the title at Cage of Death, which showed, number one, that he doesn't give a fuck about the title because he could wait eight, wait eight months. And number two, that you motherfuckers better have some long-term story planning to bring it back to the, you know, to do a callback. The Ricky Shane Page being in the fucking title picture. So why you're pushing a Joe Gacy being the champion again in fucking going into November when you already got Ricky for the fucking thing. So unless you're going to do some silly swap shit again where you have Gacy fucking beat Shane Strickland, which would be a terrible idea. And um, you do that 
and then you, you fucking Ricky Shane Page to get the title in, in December would be a ridiculous, ridiculous, terrible idea. I think you got to do what you got to do. Shane Strickland's got to go into fucking Cage of Death with the title and defend it against Ricky Shane Page. Uh, that's that's that, man. Um, so Dan Barry apparently is one of the fucking uh, Joe Gacy guys. And some other fucking dude who I don't know who the fuck he is. Oh, oh uh, Matt Palmer, the the dude that that beat the other Dojo Wars kid. So those those are his guys. And uh, you know Tremont helped uh, came entered the ring to help uh, assist Osborne or whatever because you know Tremont's supposed to be half owner now, half owner on Saturday, um, uh, benefit show for his hospital bills on Sunday because the fans are supposed to be retarded when they attend shows. Um, Again, storyline's fine. Like, give me a storyline I could get lost in. Give me something. I'll just, you know, I'll pretend AR Fox and Shane Strickland did fucking tours over overseas and fucking got into a big fight and almost killed each other. And, you know, one dude turned his back on the other on the fucking battlefield and shit like this. Like, give me some old wild shit like that. But don't just give me, like, oh, yeah, like, he fucking bought the company now. And, uh, by the way, like, <laughs> tomorrow if you're around, uh, Run a benefit show for his hospital bills. Support the guy. You know? We all go through hard times. Like, wait a minute. Didn't he buy a company? His storyline? You know? I, I know. You're supposed to separate the two and then play along and then not play along. And then it, it's it's all ridiculous. But, you know, so much of indie wrestling has become an insult to people's intelligence. And that's the reason why, like, I don't give a fuck about it. And, and I'm so separated from it. it it's just... It's fucking crazy. Uh, Ace Romero, Greg, excellent. They're just going to continue to build that. That was a no contest. You know, goddamn well, this shit's going to Cage of Death where people will still likely not give a fuck. Um, This uh, next match was um, Mr. Claxton. It was supposed to be Alex Colon, Ricky Shane Page, and Jimmy Lloyd in a four-way CZW rules match, which I don't really understand because then they had another match that was labeled a death match. So it's like CZW rules and death match. I guess we'll try to figure out the difference between those two things. Um, but then Brandon Kirk attacked Jimmy Lloyd to take his spot in the match because um, I guess that's how shit works. Um I don't think Brandon Kirk is worth shit as far as booking him on the card. I, I don't. I know a lot of people seem to like this guy. Um, you know, he's been around GCW since it was JCW and all of that type of shit. I don't think he's worth anything. Um, so you put these guys in the match. Um, Alex Colon, although, you know, very unsafe to fans, as we've discussed in the past, I think he's one of the best uh, deathmatch stars out there. He's very innovative. He's crazy as fuck. He could wrestle. Um, I think he's he's like a must book on cards. Um on CCW, GCW, anybody who works that type of style would highly benefit from booking this fucking guy. Um, Ricky Shane Page again, he's got a world title shot in December. So he's working things that have nothing to do with a world title in October. No mention of a world title, anything. And, uh, you know, um, Mr. Claxton went in the match. So, yeah. Um, and then you got the Carnies, who I don't know who that is, the Hooligans, and the Storm of Entrails in a three-way tag team death match. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, again, I got to go back and watch this shit. I have no idea. Um, you know, I think Dan O'Hare's improved 
um, from when I initially saw him, I don't think he's terrible anymore. Um, you know, we had not gotten along in the past and it is what it is. You know, I disagree with a lot of the things he said, but, um, I don't think he's terrible, but I a hundred percent think that, um, Dan O'Hare attached to Schlack in CCW is completely squashing Schlack's opportunities to be fucking the best he can be. Um, because they could tear it up as a tag team, but I think there's a ceiling on that, especially if you're not putting the, the tag team titles on them. They they still have the tag team titles on guys who haven't debuted in a fucking home CCW ring. And like the one guy hurt broke his wrist or some shit. So he's out. So the CCW tag team titles just don't exist. Like they're just more or less sold to guys who don't work there. And um, eventually they'll return. Uh, I would hope fucking cage of death. Otherwise, what you do as an owner is you strip the motherfuckers of the titles and then give them a shot when he gets better. Uh, otherwise, then you're just selling your fucking titles to someone else and, and expecting fans to care when they randomly appear again with guys they never fucking heard of before. So, you know, why why would you do that? But anyway, um, so the Carnies, who I, again, I don't know who these guys are, beat those guys, the hooligans and the Storm of Entrails. Um, again, storm in trails while they may have, you know, friendship and chemistry and all that. Schlack is a fucking superstar. Um, you know, they put him over a DTU champion in fucking Mexico. Um, Mexico had more smarts to fucking put a title on him before anyone did here. Um, which I think is fucking ridiculous. Um, that, that dude is fucking absolute money. Wrestlers are marking out for his fucking promos and his appearance and his fucking intensity and, and his character overall. There's a reason for that. And that's the type of guy you want to put some fucking shit behind. That's a, that's a guy you want to put, you want to stake something on that guy. You know, all these first time matches are going down with Schlack. Schlack's a CZW guy. He's getting all these first time matches outside of CZW. Guys who were in fucking CZW. And all these first time matches are just going to happen everywhere else because you're so married to this fucking Storm of Entrails thing. It's fucking crazy to me, and I think they're dropping the ball big time. I, I think they, they really got to fucking figure out a way. Fuck, man. They like each other so much. Turn them against each other. Let them have a fucking three-month feud. Beat the shit out of each other for a while. And, you know, maybe that'll help elevate fucking O'Hare, too. And then, good. And then put Schlack in some fucking matches that people want to see. You know, put Slack and Alex Cologne in a fucking match. Put Slack and fucking Ricky Shane Page in a match. Because if you don't, other motherfuckers are going to, and the fans are going to go ballistic for the same fucking matches that you have right in your lap, and you choose it. No, 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 we're going to, well, no, that's not what we're doing. We, you know, and DJ going on interviews calling fucking Slack green. Get the fuck out of here. This dude, this dude, it looks like Shrek is as green as Shrek. And and he's calling other motherfuckers green. What kind of retarded shit is that, man? Is this there's there's so such a lack of intelligence uh, at the top of CCW. There's such a insult to other people's intelligence by this this high and mighty thought that oh we know what we're doing. Just just uh, just trust what we're doing. And you know there's like an arrogance that the CCW crowd is gonna be what it is. It's gonna be there regardless. And I'll, I'll go further into that in just a minute. Let me finish this card. The main event is uh, um, Maxwell Feinstein or whatever the fuck his name is um, come out and celebrating his accomplishments or whatever. And then uh, Joey Janela comes out and it's like Joey Janela makes his, his big return. Like he was there two months ago. 
So it, basically what Joey's doing is he's working every other CCW show, so every match is a big return. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is going on here? So sometime during the match, they use light tubes instead of, you know, fans marked out for that. Um, sure, the match is really good. You know, Joey could work his ass off, and this Feinstein kid is awesome. I mean, he, you know, he's got a great character. He could fucking work. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Joey wins the title to become new Wired Championship. He he randomly quit CZW, I don't know, fuck, what was that, six months ago or, or less? Dropped the mic after, oh, I'm out of here. And then he came back like two months later, wrestled Leo, uh, missed another show, came back, won the Wired title title it's just it's so fucking up and down and all over the place and um i don't know it's just it's bizarre like their booking doesn't make any fucking sense um the the whole shit is crazy um now let's go into this um let's go into this november um situation let me see I, i gotta i gotta bring up the actual uh fucking post the name of this fucking show apparently was going to be Hot Buzz. Let that sink in. The name of this show was going to be Hot Buzz. I'm going to say it one more time. The name of the November show was going to be Hot Buzz. So, I guess somebody got mad, and I don't know who got mad. I don't know who gave a fuck after someone got mad, because CCW doesn't seem to give a fuck what fans think. Um, you know, Joey and, and others have, have taken a stance, like, if you don't like what CCW's doing, they're making progress, and if you don't like what they're doing, then go watch something else, because that's clearly the way you sell a product, is telling someone to go watch something else. You know, don't don't try to cater to the fucking fans that brought you to the fucking dance, just tell them to go fuck themselves and then try to build a whole new audience and see how that works out. I'm sure it sounds like a great business plan is to just abandon your audience and then say, well, there's other people like, uh, just don't count on that shit. That's not the way life works. Um, so I guess someone complained that it's supposed to be night of infamy and you know, a night of infamy and what the fuck. And, and I don't, I don't know where this complaining happened again. I don't know why they suddenly cared about anything. The fan said, so they posted this. We hear you loud and clear. And there, there's a lot of like all caps and like bold letters and, and want to show you, we actually listen. We didn't realize the effects of changing the name of such a nostalgic show as Night of Infamy would have. The new team at CZW is working hard to change the perception of Combat Zone. Keep that fucking sentence in mind, because that's, that's going to have a rant behind that shit. We are trying our best, but straight up, we will make mistakes along the way. You fucking think so? Some of your patience may have been wearing thin, but please help us make CZW great. We are trying to grow, try different things, think out of the box and make CZW the best it can be. Realize we have the best interest for CZW at heart. We get it. Hot buzz was not the most well-received name. As of right now, going forward, we will be changing the name of our November 11th show back to Night of Infamy. 
Signed, CZW Management and Creative. All right, let me first go into the fact that Hot Buzz was going to be the name of their show in November. I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know who the fuck thought that was a good idea. Um, that's fucking crazy. Um, as far as the nostalgic name Night of Infamy. Now, to me, I there's certain things that I think should go away. And Night of Infamy is one of them. Deja Vu is one of them. And I think you should bring them up and back up in special occasions. You want annual shows? Make your annual show Cage of Death, Tournament of Death, Best of the Best. That's it. I don't think Tangled Web should be a yearly thing because there's some years that you can tell that that fucking October or whatever, I think it was October normally, so maybe they skipped it this year. I think. I don't know because I don't really go to shows or really watch them for that matter. I'm a wrestling show that doesn't watch wrestling. Um, So, um, but there was a lot of years where you looked and you were like, this is the fucking setup. And they must have just like got to the show and just went, fuck, man. Tangled web. We got to get some shit together because fuck. I didn't, I didn't even think this shit was, ah, man, it just crept up on me. You know, it's like, it's like one of those holidays. Like you didn't see coming in like, fuck, man, I, is the store still open? <laughs> we gotta, we gotta run to the fucking store. I, Oh fuck. It's tomorrow. Shit. Why didn't anybody tell me, you know, like that's, that's the feeling you got off of some years in tangled web. So I feel like tangled web should be something you keep in your back pocket. You got a hot feud going. You fucking randomly pull that shit out. You know, motherfucker, we've been going back and forth for months. How about we pull out the fucking tangled web next month? And that month, you fucking set the tangled web off. You build a big fucking crazy barbed wire net contraptions and fucking make that shit real. Use that shit as it's going to be a big deal. When you do it as a yearly event, man, it's going to keep getting compared to your last yearly events. And there's been some pretty fucking badass ones already. So you're just killing yourself trying to redo that same shit. You already have big tournaments to live up to. You have your WrestleMania, you know, quote unquote WrestleMania of cage of death. And, you know, I think it's about time we step the fucking cage up a little bit especially when we did a fucking nonsense cage in the middle of the fucking year to blow off of Matt Tremont, Joey Janela feud, and we did a cage of death match in the middle of the year. That was just labeled a cage match. They used the cage of death and didn't even label it cage of death. They're just like, yeah, cage match. Oh, what's that? Oh, oh, it's just a big fucking cage that we use every December for our big event. It's just, it's throwaway, and you you really got to make it a big fucking deal like it used to be. Um, So that's that. Um, Night of Infamy you know, started off with the wife beaters fucking retirement match. And it was such a high fucking bar because not only did they have the wife beaters retirement matches, Zandig wife beater fucking murdering each other, no canvas, no rope barbed wire, fucking tubes, fucking fans bring the weapons, crazy fucking shit. The next month it was fucking Zandig Lobo and Cage of Death 4. One of the best fucking Cage of Death matches ever. One-on-one, my opinion, the best one-on-one Cage of Death match ever. To this day. And that's fucking well over a fucking decade old. So, when you have those standards to live up to, you don't just yearly roll out the name Night of Infamy when you have no plans to do anything fucking infamous. So, there's certain times you need to go like, look, We know what we're doing, this and that. And, again, 
you get a fucking feud going that's so fucking crazy, or you pull a return out of your ass that's so fucking crazy that the fans are going to go fucking nuts, and you're like, I got something for you motherfuckers next month, night of fucking infamy, this guy versus this guy, some shit you never thought you were going to see, night of fucking infamy, it's going to be infamous, do that. Keep that in your fucking back pocket. Let it live up to the fucking standards that CZW has built. You know, um, deja vu, same thing. Deja vu started off being deja vu of Terry Funk and Sabu in a fucking no rope barbed wire match. Zandig and fucking Lobo in a no rope barbed wire match in the fucking arena. Tearing it the fuck up. And making people remember and reminisce of the Sabu-Terry Funk match because it was that fucking good. They didn't do a deja vu every fucking year. The next deja vu they did was a Taipei death match to, again, reminisce deja vu of the Taipei with Ian and Axel. And they had Ian in this Taipei match. You know what I mean? That's the meaning of deja vu initially. Not just, ah, it's our yearly fucking uh, September show or fucking November show or whatever. Oh, and I guess your other yearly show is the Chris Cash show where you pretend like you give a fuck about Trent Acid. Um, Randomly, you'll just randomly throw a shout out. Shout out to the other dead guys, but we got a show named after one guy, his theme music and his uh, fucking ladder match. And uh, here we go. So it's going to honor some guys a little and one guy a lot. Here we go. And I get it. I get it what Chris Cash meant. I'm not going to get into the whole tirade about, you know, uh, you know what's being done as far as that show and what's memorialized and what's not. Anyway, um, so I guess that's your other annual show. So you already have four fucking annual shows. Uh, what? Three. Three annual shows. You have your best of the best tournament of death, cage of death. Yeah, four. Two tournaments. Cage and and Chris Cash. So not every fucking month needs to be the same type of shit you did last year because what you run into again is competing with yourself and you're failing again and again and again to live up to your fucking standards. Now, let's go back to the fucking standards part of things and about you changing the perception of CZW. Let's not get it fucked up. Let's not get it fucked up one bit and pretend like DJ Hyde didn't buy an established fucking company because he couldn't have fucking opened a company on his own. He couldn't have opened his own fucking company and started blowing the fucking doors off of things. No one would have showed up to fucking DJ Hyde's fucking wrestling company. No fucking buddy. He bought a company with an established fan base and he's piggybacked off that fucking fan base like he piggybacked on Matt Tremont to go to Japan just now. DJ Hyde's done. Let's stop pretending like DJ Hyde is masterminded and created this wrestling company and now he's, he knows what to do with it. He doesn't know what to fucking do or he would have created his own shit to begin with. He piggybacked off of something that exists, something that had a huge fucking fan base, something that had a fucking rabid fan base, and something that was like nothing else. The fucking outlaws, the fucking bad motherfuckers, the, the, the company you didn't fuck with, the company that, that had a badass edge unlike any other fucking company out there, like nothing else. That's what you keep on your fucking your turn post. But what do you want to be? You want to be like everything else. Not only do you want to be like everything else, you have the fucking delusion that you're going to be the next WWE. Not Evolve, not Beyond, not Ring of Honor, not PWG, who have been putting together better top-to-bottom wrestling shows than you for fucking a long, long fucking time. But you think 
that you're going to phase out the death matches because people might not like that. And you're going to fucking, you're going to somehow compete with these companies and arise to an even higher level. No, that's not what's going to fucking happen. Despite your want for that to happen, that's not going to fucking happen. Not ever. Not ever going to fucking happen. Do you understand if it was a pure wrestling company, no death matches, no anything, no anything at all, DJ Hyde should have never, ever stepped in the ring one fucking day. Because you know who else doesn't book DJ Hyde? Ring of Honor, Evolve, PWG, Beyond. These motherfuckers don't book DJ. Now, maybe there was like a one-shot deal that Beyond booked them or, or something like that. And I don't, I don't need like anyone chiming in and telling me, well, no, there was one show that they made. No one gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck. Any one of these companies that are considered to be elite wrestling companies don't book fucking DJ Hyde. They don't. It doesn't happen. Joe Gacy isn't taking PWG over. You know, uh, Alexander James isn't fucking killing it and Evolve. There's a bunch of dumb shit CZW has done that doesn't reflect the best wrestling company in the fucking world. So you can book some top fucking talent in there, but when you have no consistency on how those how the, the shows are booked and how the talent is lined up, and when you're putting fucking Brittany Blake over fucking um, Tony Nese, well, maybe maybe you've already killed your own perception as far as being viewed as a fucking serious wrestling company. Now, according to DJ, she's a bad bitch, man. She'll tap you out. Oh, turns out none of that's true. Of course, none of that's true. But besides that, she's not even booked in the company anymore because she did Dave Chris fucking move and he made sure that she didn't fucking work there anymore. So this is, this is the people that DJ has put over over time. Because he thought he knew what he's Vince McMahon and I know what to do with this person and that person. He put the fucking, um, uh, um, what the hell was his name? Uh, Kurt Robinson kid at fucking 16 years old or whatever age he was. Fucking way underdeveloped size wise. Just a fucking tiny kid fucking throwing fucking arm bars on dudes that are selling it like he's a fucking monster. And he's in fucking best of the best. Because DJ says... Dude, like, you have no idea how good this kid is, and he's going to be working everywhere, and he's going to be tearing up, and this might be our only opportunity to really even get him into that type of thing. Where the fuck is he now? He doesn't work for CZW. I see his name fucking nowhere. Maybe he doesn't wrestle anymore. I wouldn't know. Didn't care when he was in the company. I don't care now. This is DJ's booking strategy, but he thinks if he phases out people who are upset about death matches that's going to elevate CZW to some higher level because he wants to be taken more serious as a wrestling company. It's not going to fucking happen. It's not going to happen at all. You're just bastardizing the fucking fans who made CZW what it is. CZW had something unique. Push that something fucking unique to the highest fucking level you can. Find a fucking TV deal that'll handle ultraviolence. Find a fucking TV deal that'll handle that shit. Pitch that shit to fucking different different avenues. Get your shit on fucking Netflix or Amazon Prime or some kind of crazy shit. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing in the world, but I'm saying these are the fucking routes you should be traveling 
owning a company that had its own fucking brand, had its own fucking thing that set it apart from every fucking thing else. And now you're doing everything you can to be everything else. You're trying to fight the fucking current of the CZW that had its own fucking identity that was far beyond anything else way different than anything else and you're just steering it right back into the flow of fucking traffic which is like fucking 45 50 miles an hour tops where there was times czw couldn't be fucking stopped 100 miles an hour is still worldwide fucking known because of what it was not because dj hyde moved best of the best of florida for fucking 300 fans because he could book a better card because they were in town that that's not the shit that made czw what the fuck it is that's never going to be the shit that made CZW what it was. CZW what it was because it had a fucking edge. Not because the fucking owner is misspelling every fucking sentence he writes on fucking social media. He's too dumb to have the fucking thing with the red line show up on his phone and have him just press it with his big fat finger and make it fucking correct. Somehow spell check doesn't work on only his phone. But we're supposed to take CZW seriously. We should change the perception of CZW when he writes like he's punching a fucking keyboard. We, that's what we should do. We, sh- we should all just decide that CZW, as Joey has said, has said, is making progress in the right direction. Okay. Uh, um, so they moved their school. They moved... Everything everything was going to be in the new building. They ran one fucking Dojo War show there and posted online. Due to circumstances beyond our control, things didn't work out. We're going back to Blackwood. Okay. So CCW will be serving alcohol at the show upcoming on Saturday. Due to circumstances beyond our control, we will not be serving alcohol on Saturday. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, you guys are fucking crazy. I, I mean, it's just like one disappointment after the next. And yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be some kinks going into a new building and this and this, but like, maybe, maybe you don't fucking put the cart ahead of the horse, you know, maybe, maybe you don't fucking bite off more than you can chew or, or put out to the fans shit that, you know, you can't fucking accomplish, you know, it's just, that's, that's DJ Hyde's deal, man. He just, he just puts shit out there like, yeah, by next year, we'll be fucking, We'll be we'll be running a pay-per-view up against WrestleMania and like people won't even care about Vince's product because you know you got to start somewhere. And like he he'll continuously go on interviews and go like, you know, another guy who did what I'm doing, Vince Kennedy McMahon. It's like dude, you're not McMahon. You're not fucking uh, you're not fucking um you're no McMahon. I mean, you're not Jim McMahon of wrestling. Like you'd be lucky if you were the Jim McMahon of wrestling, the the old Chicago bears quarterback, like what he meant to wrestling. You're lucky if you were that as DJ Hyde, the fuck out of here. You Vince McMahon did it. Yeah. And it works for everybody else on the fuck in the history of wrestling. Everybody just does what Vince McMahon does. And the next thing you know, they got a fucking private jet. Like, no, you're flying yourself to fucking California. You're flying yourself to Japan. You're flying yourself elsewhere. It's not, it's not quite how you're making it out to be. It's fucking silly. And all the fans see that shit. So I don't know. You, you can paint whatever fucking picture you want. You could try to change the perception of CZW, but everybody's just 
completely changing their perception of how they feel about your company, where it used to be a, a, a must-see, used to be the place to fucking be. They've been told by your fucking wired champion to go somewhere else if they don't like it, which is fucking, you know, pretty fucking funny. Um, so, that I mean, that, that that's pretty much all I'm going to say about the CZW thing for now. Um, you know, I, I never stop getting into this shit. So as the weeks go on, I'll get into more of it. I'm, I'm going to watch the, uh, the last show. I think, I mean, again, if, if my interest dies down by the time it winds up fucking, uh, online, uh, you know, digitally high spots network or whatever the case, like these motherfuckers, they have the CZW network nine ninety nine a month. The High Spots Network has the same exact fucking shows and like a hundred other fucking companies for the same price. So what the fuck does CZW Network even exist for? Why? What the fuck is going on? It, it doesn't make any sense. There's so much about CZW that makes zero fucking sense. Um, so then the next day, um, the the uh, Matt Tremont uh, benefit show. The main event was, I guess, uh, Low Life Louie and um, Jeff Cannonball. And during the match, like a lot of Louie matches, they involved dildos. Uh, they put like a dildo on a board and um, Jeff leaned the board up against Louie in the corner and Louie wrapped his mouth around the dildo like he was fucking, you know... <laughs> I mean, th- this is the type of shit that I don't like. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a Jim Cornette type dude. I'm not like a, hey, you know, that's not wrestling. But like on some real shit, like I don't want to see fucking dudes half fuck each other in the ring. I really don't. I- I'm not into gay entertainment. I don't, I don't think that shit's funny. I-, I don't think that's like, oh, that's just a comedy spot. Like, is it, is it a comedy spot where a dude wraps his lips around a fake dick? Because, like, even in, in, in the storyline of, like, oh, they're using a dildo, da da like, and, and, like, I've never liked it being used in a match. But, like, when a dude grabs it and jams it in the other dude's mouth, he looks like he's unhappy to be there. That's the general sell for this ridiculous idea. Well, in this match, he puts the fucking board up against him, and there's still pictures of him with his fucking lips pressed up around the shit. Now, if you jam some shit into somebody's mouth, they don't fucking form their lips around it. That's some old you're happy to be there shit. You know what I mean? So, to me, it doesn't work for me. It's horrible. It makes me, I'll never, ever watch that match, that show, any of that shit, man. I don't like this, this tremendously gay shit. And, like... People just, you know, they jump to like, oh, you're a fucking homophobe. Because I don't like gay porn. Because that's what this shit is. When when dudes are grabbing each other's cocks and you're putting fake dicks in each other's mouths, that's fucking, that's softcore gay porn is wh- exactly what that is. It's not just like, oh, this is part of wrestling. This is a comedy show. Like, I like fucking Chuck Taylor. Chuck Taylor is a fucking fantastic wrestler and great, great fucking comedy wrestler. I think some of the shit he does in the, in the ring is fucking funny as hell. I'm not saying he hasn't done dick spots that I fucking hate that shit too. But I'll tell you what, like, it's night and fucking day, the comedy wrestling that he does for the most part. And just like, ha, I'm holding this guy's cock now. Like, that, that's not fun to me. Like, I don't want to be there. It's fucking awkward. I don't watch, I don't watch, like, random fucking gay porn or gay comedy like it's not my deal 
I honestly think on a lot of fronts that these dudes are gay and this is their safe space to come out and then just call it a show. They get to grab each other's dicks and kiss dudes and, and, and fucking play with fake dicks and, and tell each other they love each other on Facebook and call each other boo and all that. And then just go, ah, no, nah, we were just playing this for show. I think y'all got some gay tendencies like the motherfuckers who dress up like broads on Halloween. I think that's some underlying shit in you that that that's some shit that's some real shit that probably down the road a lot of these motherfuckers will be full on. That's that's what I think. I I think it it's um it, it's a safe place for them to do some old gay shit. You know? So I I don't agree with it. I don't like it at all and um yeah. So that's that. Um on on some random shit, man. I um <laughs> speaking of gay shit. Um I think Brett Lauderdale shaves Nick Gage's back. Um I I uh <laughs> I thought about this a little bit. And back in the day, um, Nick Gage wouldn't take his shirt off. And the reasoning was, the reasoning was always not because he was out of shape or this or that. It's because he was like a furry, like a fucking Kodiak bear. Um, well, he came out of prison fucking like a baby. <laughs> like, he was, he was way more built than he ever was. And motherfucking hairless, <laughs> like a fucking sphinx cat. Um, how the fuck? <laughs> that shit doesn't just happen. You don't just stop growing hair. Unless this motherfucker got chemo in prison or some shit. I and and you can't just do that shit yourself. I don't think you can just pull that shit off yourself. And and if I had to guess who's shaving his motherfucking back, I don't know who the fuck was shaving his back in prison, or if he just started doing that shit the day he got out. But if I had to guess who's shaving his back, it's got to be Brett Lauderdale. Uh, this is just my guesswork. I'm a, I'm a consult with Shaheen on this and what he thinks. Um, I, I had thought this couple, for a little while now and I forgot all about asking Nate about that shit. And I, and I really wish I would have fucking threw that shit at him. But, um, I, I completely, it's completely slipped my mind. I had so much legitimate old school shit to ask him. I forgot all about this hilarious concept that will fucking haunt you if you think about it for too long. Um, so yeah, on some, um, on some, some motivational physical shit. I, um, I've been doing since Sunday, I've been doing the rock fucking, um, uh, workout regiment. I found that shit on, uh, the bodybuilding.com. And, um, that's, that, that's some good shit. So, um, I've been doing that on Sunday. I haven't missed a day. Um, the only thing that I'm doing a little bit different and yeah, I, I can't get on his meal schedule. I'm not even attempting that shit. First off that his meal schedule is like, you got to have his fucking payroll to fucking pay for his meal schedule. It was like, oh, steak, um, salmon, um, more steak, chicken, um, like seven meals of this shit throughout the day. <laughs> like, I don't know where the fuck you think I work, but even if I could get my fucking body to eat that shit, I'm going to need like another income just for that shit alone. I got kids and I don't work where fuck you work at. The only thing I haven't done but besides that is um he's got two leg days in his week and I started off kind of like an awkward week and um I got to take Friday off on my on my off day. So next week I'm going to try to put the two leg days in and um I'm going to start my 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 training week on Saturday this this week. So I'll do Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And, uh, yeah, I'll throw in whatever is that comes out six days. Um, 
maybe a rest Friday again or something. Um, but yeah, so that's what I plan on doing. Um, and yeah, man, it's, it's some good shit, you know? Um, so hey, I always just try to switch it up and just grab whatever kind of workout routines and, you know, if you stick to that for like a month, month and a half, and then try to try to grab some other shit, you know, and just do different type of shit, you know, some, sometimes like focus on circuit training, other times just focus on just straight like bodybuilding, you know, other, you know, just, just try to mix it up and the more you can shock your muscles, the better you could do. Um, so I always recommend that type of shit. Um, and on, on a not so motivational side of things, um, I figured out dipping fun size Snicker bars in, um, Skippy natural with honey peanut butter is fucking amazing. Um, it works for other candy bars too. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Um, try it with Twix. It's not quite what the Snickers does. Um, I'm sure you can go like peanut butter overload, do it with some Reese's. Um, but something about that fucking Snickers combo, um, that's legit. I want to try it with a uh, hundred grand bars, but I haven't gotten the, um, the fun size. I haven't seen the fun size once around yet. I'm going to be fucking ransacking Halloween candy, um, in a couple weeks and trying all sorts of fun size with fucking peanut butter combos. Um, it's pretty fucking awesome. Luckily my body handy handles, uh, calories and sugar very, very well. So it doesn't affect, affect my abdominals or anything that I'm doing training. The rest of my diet is pretty fucking legit. So, um, yeah. Um, no worries there, but that is fucking fantastic shit. Um, check me out with Shaheen on Sunday. I believe we'll be doing a show. I hope, I hope Sunday is what we're talking about. Um, we did not do a show this past week. Really. We're kind of low on topics and shit. And, um, you know, just, just wasn't in the cards. He was like fucking removing all the paint from the inside of his house and replacing it with different paint. And I think that takes a while. Uh, so that, you know, kind of held up shit and we didn't have a ton to talk about. So this week, uh, we should have a bunch to talk about and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back at it. Uh, check out sports den. They do watching all sorts of sports, fucking types of sports and talking that shit. Uh, check them out. Um, check out the hot tag podcast. Of course, you know, they're doing their thing on Wednesdays. Like I am. Um, they had the hooligans on this, this week, I believe. And, um, yeah, man, Shaheen's just fucking rolling through these interviews and, um, you yeah, know, doing a thing over there to cover all that WWE stuff. Um, I, I gotta figure out what fuck's going on over there. Um, I, I think Bray Wyatt's abroad now. Uh, I saw that shit in like preview. I, Bray Wyatt's abroad and, um, Finn Balor is, um, Sage Sin. So I'm not really positive with the play. He's like the pumpkin queen now. And, uh, Bray Wyatt is a chick. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, they're doing a TLC pay-per-view coming up, I think. And, um, interesting. Very interesting. Um, I always like the TLC pay-per-view. I canceled my fucking, uh, subscription. So maybe I'll check that shit out when it shows up, you know, somewhere else later in the week. But, I'm unlikely to do any of that. If I'm if I'm telling you I'm, I'm going to watch wrestling, um, don't don't hold me to that because it's it's unlikely. Um, Nick Mondo did the fucking the trade. He he did this uh, this movie biopic movie 
It was supposed to be really, really well done. I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, but it's on Amazon Prime. I promise you I will watch that. We'll talk about that. Um, the you know Probably most likely on, on both this show and Shaheen's show. And, um, you know, the show with Shaheen. And um, what the fuck else? Um, trying to think of what else. I'm getting all the shipping shit together as far as my hot sauce goes. Um, shipping's going to vary depending on where in the country you are. Uh, so hit me up for that shit. Um, Friday, I'm going to be cooking another two different batches of hot sauce. So when I'm done with that, I'm going to have something like four, four to five types of hot sauce to offer motherfuckers out there. So yeah. Um, and I still got the Zandig shirts if, if y'all want to, you know what I mean? If you need one of those, hit me up. Same thing. Um, I think that's about it. I might be missing something. I don't know. I'll uh, Talk to check you motherfuckers out next week, though. Peace. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. Tired as rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all, and, uh, Shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. Keep it in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. What I make you good? Black cheese tell me tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people and I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a thing. Even when I lie. The Jet Radio. Jesus! A sacred night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no food.